from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Boy, it is good to wake up this morning, and every single morning you get to wake up, it is a beautiful, wonderful thing and an awesome opportunity. When those eyes wake up in the morning, don't ever forget to say thank you, God. Happy morning, happy day. The morning menu we're jumping into right now, we got plenty of show coming up. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. We're here inside the morning menu on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. The morning menu proudly presented by all of our phenomenal partners in central and upstate New York. Check them out on wakeupcalldt.com's homepage. We just added the Press Room Pub, and we're very excited about the opportunities we're going to have there to broadcast from the broadcast window inside and directly across from the front door. You will see us for every Syracuse football Home game pregame show, two hours before kickoff, and we will be there this week. Rob Drummond and myself previewing Syracuse going up against Wagner for their first home game of the season. And speaking of football, there's a lot of stuff we got to get to today, and I'm very, very excited. As in the second hour of the show, we're going to have the fantasy football power hour as we do every Thursday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com. At 9.30, we'll have Katie Kalinske with Coaching with Class. And all of that, as you know, is is every Thursday for you. And then there's a segment that we've been doing. We started it last season. We put it on week after week, every single Thursday, and took a little break. And I'm very, I was very sad to not have it here every week. And I'm now very proud to bring it back. And I don't know how I can ramp it up any more than going, come back on the air, Papa Joe. So we are here with Papa Joe one more time. The season is back. It's in full swing, and I couldn't be happier to have Papa Joe back on the air. Papa Joe, how are we doing today? Good, Daniel. Thank you for the intro. That's going to be a lot of fun this year again. Absolutely. And and so we have a week of football under our belts already. What were some of the games that you were paying attention to or some of the takeaways you had from week one for college football? Well, I was I was really, really interested to watch Nebraska play, and I was disappointed that they got stormed out, I guess. Um, another game, I think, was Penn State. Was They just looked awful. Uh, they couldn't do anything right uh, against a really weak Appalachian State. Of course, my Gators uh, rolled over Charleston Southern, and that was sort of like an exhibition game. But it did, did it show me the, uh, the athleticism they have on, the, on both sides of the ball. I think, oh, Florida State and Virginia Tech. Oh, I don't, I don't want to hear about Virginia Tech. They look like monsters. Uh, Florida State didn't help themselves uh, throwing interceptions and, and turning the ball over, but you got to give Virginia Tech a lot of credit. I, 
that's a tough game. You know, Miami and uh, LSU was another game I looked at. Um, LSU looks good. Uh, I don't know if they're quite the caliber of Auburn, Georgia, uh, or Alabama, but um, they they look good. They look tough. Western Division and the SEC is just a killer. They're going to beat each other up until someone someone lasts, and it's probably going to be Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, they played a, a good Louisville team uh, without Lamar Jackson, of course, but uh, Louisville was was out was outmanned also. So, you know, these next couple of weeks here, uh, where the the home team has to pay five hundred or seven hundred thousand dollars for these cupcakes to come in, uh, it's going to be. Uh, it really doesn't it doesn't say much for uh, the quality of football, but. You know, they have to get these cupcakes out of the way and get ready for the, the league, especially the SEC, where they just beat each other up all the time. Yeah, and I, I think – and there and there were a lot of games that kind of – and it was funny because uh, we were doing a fantasy football draft at the Wildcat Sports Pub here in Camillus, and I was, I was uh, discussing the Appalachian State team. I just kind of brought it up as an example. I said, you know – Syracuse allowing 42 to Western Michigan is not like Appalachian State, who's been able to steal some away from time to time, and then they almost stole one away from Penn State, who needed overtime to take them down. And you know, when you look at some of these games here, you know, I, I that I was surprised, obviously, that that Penn State wasn't better in that game, but Appalachian State can sneak in. I was very surprised that Alabama defeated Louisville 51-14. to I thought Louisville might struggle a little bit this season, might have five or six wins in the loss of Lamar Jackson, but I didn't think that they would lose by 37 points to Alabama. And, you know, so that one kind of sticks out to me. But it is, like you said, getting the cupcakes out of the way, how Alabama plays Louisville, which is supposed to be a good game, and then Clemson plays Furman. And, you know, and, and, and I know that coaches have to – do this and do that, but you know when you hear a coach say we got to prepare for Furman, they're a really d- tough team. I don't know how we're going to beat them. I mean, people don't know that Furman's a college or that Southern is a college. I mean, there's a lot of these ones that. So I, I, to me, that's crazy. But I thought that you know the Alabama game kind of shocked me, and then the Oklahoma Florida Atlantic game kind of shocked me too, and the fact that FAU couldn't put up any more than 14 as well. Uh. They looked overmatched on the field also. Uh, I'm not sure if we think that Florida Atlantic is that bad or, or Oklahoma is that good, but Oklahoma was clicking. Uh, you know, you give these guys a chance to score, and you put – I know, for one thing, Florida goes three deep in their lines, and they, they, they were bringing in freshmen for more than half the game to play, to play football. And you can't tell freshmen, you know, not to try or not to score. So, you know, when, when – they, they're not – you know these big teams are not really running up to the score. They're just they're just playing better players, right? And so when we look at these games and sitting here with Papa Joe this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on Wake Up Call DT dot com, your one stop sports shop, and on the live stream mixlr dot com backslash Wake Up Call DT, the Syracuse game. Syracuse faced off against Western Michigan. And uh, very simply and plainly, Syracuse's offense looked good. Their defense looked atrocious. Their defense has not looked good since it since they transitioned over into this Tampa 2 defense. 
And uh, to me, it's it's just uh, it's been a huge hindrance on the team. They ended last season allowing 54 points per game on average. They started this season giving up 42, and then you know this is where we stand right now. So I mean, I just I'm not I'm not sold on this defense. I don't think I'll ever be sold on the defense. What do you take away from it? If you're the head coach of a team and you win. 55 to 42 against an unranked Western Michigan team. How would you handle it? Well, that's a tough one right there. I, I guess you got to go back to the, go back to the coaching, go back to watching the films of the games. Uh, they're obviously doing a lot of things wrong fundamentally. So, uh, you know, I know it's tough for these kids to, to practice in the kind of weather that we have down here, especially uh, two a days uh, before, uh, before the games start. But I think they got to go back to the drawing board. Uh, you know, they're, Syracuse isn't going to outscore everyone. You know, they're going to get killed a few times, and if, if they don't stem the tide, uh, it's going to revert on them. And it just – it does. It, it looks ugly with this. I like attack defenses. I like old-school defenses, and where we're sitting right now is just it, – it's 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 kind of crazy that, you know, it's the definition of insanity to continue doing it over and over again, expecting a different result. Now, I put up a poll, and I asked the people of the world – who the best college football team is currently. And I said, if you have another team you're voting for, reply with that team. I put up Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, or Ohio State as as the four options and then said you can send your option as well. Well, Alabama has 51%, Clemson has 23%, Ohio State has 19%, Georgia has 7%. And in a strange, crazy turn of events, I have been sent about 15 messages at least from UCF fans in the last, I don't know, 15 minutes, uh, a couple hours or so. So UCF has taken over this poll, and I got, let me see here, uh, Scott sent me UCF, then Lance sent UCF, Janie sent UCF, Julie, uh, Mr. Cool Guy and Kara Sue retweeted it, Brian said UCF, Zen said UCF, another fan said UCF, Mike said UCF on a 14-game winning streak. FTU Knights said UCF. Zach, there another Zach said UCF. Ian said UCF, and we just got one from George. So, it's uh, it, what do you think about that? The fact that uh, the UCF hopeful and the the people that you know believe the longest active winning streak should be on that board. Alabama's winning my poll, but the UCF fans are replying more than anybody else. Well, I think they I think they're a viable. Uh viable selection here they they proved it last year uh and i would not want to play them i would not want to play them um you know it's another deep south team that uh gets gets the chance to pick through the state of florida's football players and they've done a great job in and manning their team i would not want to play them put it that way and mckenzie milton their quarterback 346 passing yards in this game I want to go to the game really quick here and take a look at this matchup because this was nuts but we look at 57 for 56 to 17 victory over UConn UConn's obviously struggled inside of the American Athletic Conference Milton had five touchdowns no interceptions 346 passing yards 24 of 42 he also ran for 50 yards on seven carries for 7.1 yards per carry the offense had no trouble but this is what I'm saying 
an attack defense, and an explosively fast offense. UCF says we want to go fast. Syracuse says we want to go fast. But UCF allows 17 points to UConn, and Syracuse allows 42 to Western Michigan. Boston College, who's known for their defense, scored 55 points in their first game, but only allowed 21. So it's not like these fast offenses around the country don't implement striking defenses and the read and react defense I've never been a fan of but it's just funny how UCF is playing better Syracuse football so to speak if you follow that analogy well there's a little sidelight on what you were describing just now it was in the papers down here I don't know if it made it natural or not but Willie Taggart the coach of Florida State was uh criticizing uh the Virginia Tech team for shall we say fake being hurt fake wise uh of course stopping the clock and slowing the offensive team down now florida state wasn't going to go anywhere yesterday but they had a chance for a while and you know taggart wants to play fast that's the way he does that's the way he did it in south florida and the way he did it in oregon and he criticized coach uh well, what's his name Fuente, uh for maybe sort of telling his players to take a knee every once in a while and fake being hurt I don't go for that. I don't see that. I don't think that happened. You know, maybe Taggart's just making a mistake. Uh, maybe he's just, uh, he's, of course, he's under the gun already, uh, losing big time uh, on his very first game at home. So uh, I don't know if he's crying uncle or it's legitimate, but I don't think Fuente would do that. I think Fuente just had a better team. Well, and, and the thing is, and, and this is what I'm a proponent for is, I've never been a fan of read and react defenses. Let you catch the ball or let you get a few yards and then, you know, come on and run toward me and I'll stop you. So, you know, I, I don't I don't like the read and react, the Tampa 2. You know, I, I've said over and over again, the Tampa 2 defense worked one time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl and never worked again. But, you know, it, it's just the attacking defense is not there for Syracuse. The, the blitzing, the, you know, sending the DBs off the edge, the big powerful linebackers that are muscular that are going to hit you in the middle of the field. They want the offense to be fast. They want the defense to be fast. And the reality of it all is UCF, as I was bringing up, UCF's offense is fast. Their defense strikes. Boston College's offense can score a lot of points, which is, is atypical of Boston College, and their defense is still striking. And so for Syracuse, I'm like, look around the country. Look at Boston College, a team that was winning games by scoring 14 points or 20 points. Now they're scoring up to 55 in their explosive offense. Look at a team like UCF, who's about being fast, fast, fast on offense, and they're only allowing 17 points in their opening game. You're allowing 42. I can't get behind a defense that has a scheme where it's a read and react scheme, sit and watch the play develop and see what happens. If you're not attacking on defense, I just I don't like it, and it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. You're right. You're exactly right. The read and react is uh, extremely difficult. Uh, but don't be surprised that a lot of other teams, uh, a lot of other games, shall we say, uh, will allow their players to, quote, take a knee uh, to slow down the offensive team. Uh, these, these teams want to play fast on both sides of the ball, but sometimes, uh, sometimes you just get winded. But if Syracuse, you know, if Syracuse is not playing – if you're the coach at this point, let me ask you this question, Papa Joe, from your perspective. Speaking of your Papa Joe's picks this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, if, if you are the head coach of Syracuse 
and you have a defensive coordinator who gives up over 30 points a game consistently, and you're in year number three as the head coach, what do you do? Oh, maybe uh, I hate to see anyone lose their job, but maybe it's time to look around for someone else. Uh, either that or their game plan is poor. Uh, it's still, it, it, rest, it rests with the head coach. I mean, he's, he's the buck stops there. So if he can't, if he can't change it or he can't, uh, suggest to his defensive coordinator to adjust it, uh, adjust it. Then it's it's maybe it's time for someone to move on. Because I mean that's the thing, and I and I'm not putting this like I said before. It's not a witch hunt for Brian Ward. It's just the fact that Scott Schaefer had a had an attack defense when he was the coach of Syracuse and the defensive coordinator of Syracuse. He gets fired. He comes back with Middle Tennessee, has the same defensive scheme, and beats Syracuse. And then, you know, so, I mean, it's it, it's proven that the defensive scheme at Syracuse doesn't work and that the attack defense of that they used to have, you know, that's the, that's the way to go. That's the one that works. And that being fast is okay on offense, but you don't have to worry about that on defense. It's more about how you're going to play and how you're going to react. And, and I think the biggest thing is that Syracuse's defensive scheme makes the players look bad. And that's the frustration for me is that, you know, you put it on the players or people get mad at the players, but this defensive scheme was implemented by Brian Ward. I mean, his defense was at Western Illinois. It was at Drake. It was at Bowling Green. None of these players were there, and the defense didn't work more often than not. So, you know, for me, I just – it's tough because these players are trying to make the NFL, and there's a ton of film out there of them getting beat over top or them just getting completely outrun in, in the grand scheme of things. Right, exactly right. Well said, Daniel. That coming from Papa Joe, and we are going to shift gears to the Jacksonville Jaguars. If any of you know that team that was pretty darn good last season, four points away from going to that thing they call the Super Bowl, well, they've cut their roster down to 53, and there was some surprises that I had. I want to I want to mention some of the surprises that uh, stuck out to me down to 53. So roster cuts down to 53 for the Jaguars. One of the guys is Andrew Motuapuaka. He was cut from the team, and this one did make a, a ton of sense to me because of the fact if we go to their linebacker group, their middle line, well, they shifted. So they shifted Miles Jack to middle linebacker, Telvin Smith to weak side, and Leon Jacobs, who was drafted in the seventh round this year out of Wisconsin, to the strong side. But they were bringing in guys to try and fill the space. Miles Jack was on one side. Telvin Smith was on the other. In the center was Paul Pozlesny. Well, I said last season during the season he's not going to play forever, and it just so happened to be that he wasn't going to play after this past season. So my question has been, who's the middle linebacker? And they had brought in some guys that looked like they could make some sense but ultimately, they let him go. One of them being Andrew Motuapuaka, who I covered when he was at the Virginia Tech Hokies when he was on that team. And ironically, playing at Camping World Stadium in Florida in the ACC Championship game two years ago. So, Papa Joe, what do you think about the linebacker core in Jacksonville right now? Well, they're strong, obviously, with Jack Smith and, and Jacobs. Uh, Donald Payne's another one in there. I think, uh, I think there's Blair Brown. Uh, but, you know, I'm not sure about this, but there's that's only five guys. Um, I think they're a little bit light there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked up maybe another linebacker. 
Uh, I don't think you can go through the whole season with only five linebackers. Uh, Miles Jack is, is a killer. So is Telvin Smith. Leon Smith, Leon Jacobs got to be proven. But the other guys that are going to get in there, maybe to spell them every once in a while. But I think going with five linebackers is not enough. I think they need another one. Well, when you look at this, and I'm checking out some highlight tape right now for Leon Jacobs, but, you know, it's a seventh-round pick, and so was Zaire Franklin. He was drafted in the seventh round coming out of Syracuse and made the 53-man roster for the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, for me, moving Miles Jack from the outside to the inside, would you have rather seen them do what they're doing in that situation? Or would you rather have seen them draft a middle linebacker or, or get one out there in free agency or by trade and then leave Miles Jack where he was? No, no. I, Miles Jack would be a, is going to be a very, very good middle linebacker. He needs to stay there. <clears throat> he needs to probably call, maybe call plays. I'm not sure if him or Smith will call plays, but Miles Jack is a true middle linebacker. He can go coast to coast as fast as Puzzlowski, if not faster. So he needs to stay where he is. So we have him there, and then outside of that, the quarterbacks. Well, it, two things that they did. So they they drafted Tanner Lee, and who's a quarterback, and they drafted Alan Lazard, and they got rid of Alan Lazard in their final cuts, who was a wide receiver, and they got rid of Tanner Lee. So two of the draft picks that they brought into Jacksonville, they let go. What do you think about that? I mean, I know some draft picks pan out, some don't. But do you consider those wasted picks or, you know, does the staff kind of look back at themselves like, what do we do in the draft when you have these guys that you utilize draft picks on that ultimately don't make the team? Uh, I hope you put them on a taxi squad. I'm not sure. I haven't uh, checked their taxi squad, but Tanner Lee is a legitimate quarterback and he can play. So I was surprised about that, too. You know, backing up Bortles, he's, he's such a big, tall, strong guy that, but he, you know, he's could be subject to injuries and it would but Kessler backing him up, you know, I don't think that's deep enough. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't carry three quarterbacks. I would have liked to see Tanner Lee. I still like to see Tanner Lee on the squad. So what ultimately happened with the 53-man roster is that they signed 10 players to their practice squad. They signed cornerback D. Delaney, running back Nick DeLuca, or pardon me, a linebacker Nick DeLuca, who's a rookie. First-year tight end David Greenwich, rookie defensive lineman Lyndon Johnson, Rookie offensive lineman Casey McDermott, rookie cornerback Quentin Meeks, rookie safety C.J. Rivas, first-year running back Brandon Wilds, and Alan Lazard and Tanner Lee, their two draft picks, they did put on their practice squad. So they didn't make the 53-man roster, but like you said, they're on the taxi squad. They're there, you know, simulating plays and scouting and whatnot. So they will be with the team. They just won't be on the 53-man roster, but it essentially is your your epitome of the farm team because they'll be ready to go hopefully if they need them yep i agree uh i said i really like tannerly watched him in college you know we've talked about bortles in the past you and i agree that he, he certainly is one of the better quarterbacks in the in the league but it only takes one shot for a guy like that to go down i mean even though he's big and strong if he gets twisted one way all of a sudden your whole season's messed around then you got to start scrambling and you better get Tanner Lee up there and get him behind Kessler. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, Cody Kessler, I mean, he's obviously had some time out there. So what do you think about Cody Kessler? I mean, did you get to watch the preseason and see a little bit of him? I mean, 
you know, it's it's funny because people kind of come up to me and I always get the, do you really believe in Blake Bortles? Uh, when I talk positively about him, I get the quizzical look from people still. But then yet I get, you know, I got somebody recently that said, oh, Cody Kessler, he's not a bad backup. So you don't mind the backup, but people are still being hard on Blake. What do you think about Cody Kessler? Well, he's a, he, he's a legitimate backup. I mean, he's uh, he's not going to be a star in this league, obviously, but he's got a lot of talent, got a strong arm, moves well in the pocket, can can get some some yards on the ground if needed uh, to back up Blake. Well, I wish the, I wish the country would just lay off Bortles. It really ticks me off. Uh, I do believe that the country's going to see one of the better teams in football this year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I read a really good article on Tom Coughlin this couple days ago. Was in Sports Illustrated about his trials and tribulations when he was here in Jacksonville. He still owns property in Jacksonville, and he does a lot of work in Jacksonville. But I think the rest of the country is going to see a really, really, really good football team this year. Uh, Fournette's going to blossom. I really believe that this year he's going to get more than four yards of carry instead of last year. They, you know, they boxed him up a lot. Yeldon's going to be there catching balls out of the backfield. Blake Bortles can run this team. He can run the offense. With Kessler behind him, it's okay. You just got to stay healthy. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, I think that Tanner Lee, who got a bunch of playing time in their final game at Tampa in the preseason, you know, I think I think that he could end up actually being the number two, in my opinion, when all is said and done here. He could find his way up. I just, I mean, I, I, see, I see more from Tanner Lee. And I, I know he's played in a couple different places. I covered him when he was at Tulane. I just think that there's more in there. But, yeah, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles could do what he needs to do. And the funny thing about Blake Bortles is, and I put this up on my website, he doesn't have to be elite. When everybody, oh, he's not elite. He's not an elite quarterback. Oh, Dan, you like him? Is he one of the best? I was like, no, nah, you can't do this. You like him, so he's one of the best in the country. Now, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, those are your best in the country. Carson Wentz when he's healthy potentially. But – when we look at maybe Matt Stafford, depending on how he but but when you look at Blake Bortles, he doesn't have to be elite. He just has to be serviceable because this is a team with a big, burly running back with a secondary running back who can catch well out of the backfield, T.J. Yeldon, and they have a strong defense. It's Doug Marone's Northeast football. It is run the ball up your throat, play, play harassment defense. You don't have to have a quarterback to throw for 375 yards in this offense. Blake Bortles does not have to win the game with his arm every game. He does not have to, you know, he, he doesn't have to put it on him in the fourth quarter, and he's not playing garbage time because the team's in games now. So I just find it hilarious that they're like, well, Dan, he's not elite. He doesn't have to be elite. He just has to be good enough to make the throws he needs to make to get the ball down the field. And for the hundred millionth time, when Tom Brady throws to a fifth and sixth string, to a fifth string and a sixth string wide receiver, people think that he's the, he's some magician who's pulling talent out of people who don't have any talent, who's making team players better than they weren't before, who's resurrecting careers. Yet Blake Bortles threw to his fifth and sixth string receivers last season. In the playoffs, in the divisional round, and nobody said boo. And I don't get it. Well, you're right. You're exactly right. Uh, Bortles does not have to win a game by himself, although he could. I think he's got a strong enough arm to do that. Uh, he's got a his mental makeup is strong. Uh, he's got a rifle for an arm. We know that. Uh, I think Jacksonville. You know, we discussed this a lot with Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone. Uh, you you don't win. 
Super Bowls scoring 45 points a game or win games in the league by 45 points a game, unless you're Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. You win with a strong defense and a running game. People throughout the country have got to understand that when they look at the Jaguars. You're exactly right that Bortles does not have to win a game by himself. Again, although I think he could. With a strong defense and a strong running game is how you're going to get there. Jacksonville proved that last year. They came within a smidgen of going to the Super Bowl. And USA, you better wake up. And the thing is, but it, I mean, it's it, it's just, it's right in front of people's faces. But you know what? That's okay. It's totally fine. Because as long as people continue to disrespect him and underappreciate him, he'll continue to embarrass people. And I'm okay with that. So with that being said, the wide receiver core that he's throwing to, speaking of his ability to throw to anybody, Keelan Cole came onto the team last season, didn't know if he was going to keep a job out of Kentucky Wesleyan. And guess what? He did keep the job. Dante Moncrief comes over as a free agent from Indianapolis, where I think he was underutilized. DJ Chark was drafted in the second round of this year's draft. D.D. Westbrook did not play a full season after being drafted last year out of Oklahoma. Jadon Mickens out of Washington made the team last year, where he didn't know if he was going to make the team. Rashad Green from Florida State, who they drafted in 2015, was injured all of last season. So this is a relatively... It's an extremely young team. The oldest player on the receiving core is Rashad Green, who is out. And then you have Jadon Mickens, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark, Dante Moncrief, and Keelan Cole. Papa Joe, this is a wide receiver core where every other week, it could be every single week, it could be a different guy who they're throwing the ball to. You know, people are kind of leaning on Keelan Cole, but this could be a team that literally anybody could find success with. There's six different receivers. Some pundits on the outside looking in would say there's not a number one wide receiver on this team. I would argue that, again, Blake Bortles could throw to you or me, and we would score. So I'm looking at this wide receiver core without Marquise Lee and Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. What do you think about this young group of wide receivers? I love them. I absolutely love them to death. Uh Cole proved to me last year that he could be the possessive receiver that he is. Uh, I know that Bortles likes to stretch the field, maybe with Westbrook going long. Uh, they're a great, great athletic bunch of kids, and uh, they'll they'll be just fine. Tight ends, uh, you know, maybe not quite as strong. Uh, I know that Jenkins got hurt this last week. I don't know if he's going to make the first game or not. I've always liked O'Shaughnessy at tight end, at tight end, but. The kids on the wideouts uh, can really move. They're smart. They know the offense. Cole can possess and run. Westbrook can stretch the field. And the other kids can complement these. I think they're a great group of kids. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great stuff coming up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have to ask you about Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's gotten in some trouble in recent history with the Bucks and also with the Jets. Ultimately, he lands in Jacksonville. They're going to give him a chance. He was a free agent. And he uh, went to school in Washington, and he came to the league in 2014. So, thoughts on Austin Safarian Jenkins. Niles Paul is is more of the blocking tight end. You don't really see him catch touchdowns. I like O'Shaughnessy, too, and they parted ways with some other guys out there. So, what do you think about Austin Safarian Jenkins as he does start the season as the number one option at tight end? Well, obviously, he has the talent 
with a little baggage. You know, reading that article that I just mentioned about Tom Coughlin, Coughlin over the years has mellowed so much. You know, he used to be an old curmudgeon like uh, the old sea captain up there in New England. Uh, I think there's a soft spot to him lately. I think he's in the, obviously in the twilight of his career, but he can still put together a football team, that's for sure. And he looked at Jenkins and he says, you know what, I think the kid's worth a shot. Uh, he's had some difficulty, but as we've talked before with kids with difficulty, you sit in Tom Coughlin's office, you sit and you look eye to eye to him, and he tells you, don't screw up once or you're out the door. So if Jenkins wants to believe that, fine. I hate to see him hurt. I hope he plays. Uh, but I don't think you're going to find any problems from Jenkins. I think that I think he's going to understand where Coach Coughlin and Coach Malone are coming from and allow his talent to take over on the football field. Speaking here with Papa Joe in Papa Joe's Picks, and Katie Kalinske, who is usually with us at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, is stepping into a meeting. That is the craziness of being the director of basketball operations for women's basketball at the University at Buffalo. So she is heading in there. We most likely will not have the opportunity to get her on the air this morning, but we will try and work something in this week if we can. And I'll definitely let you hear from her very soon. And we will talk about the WNBA. But Papa Jay, I'm going to keep you a couple more minutes because I have some Jacksonville thoughts and some NFL thoughts. Will you hang out with me for a few more minutes now that we have some extra time? Absolutely. All right, cool. So Le'Veon Bell, we're going to go away from Jacksonville for a second. Le'Veon Bell in the fantasy football drafts. I did not draft Le'Veon Bell, case in point, because he's holding out. So with him holding out, he is still off the team. It is past Labor Day. The first NFL game is tonight, Thursday, September 6th of the great year 2018. So Bell loses $853,000 for one week's worth or one 117th of the $14.5 million tender he has yet to sign. They tried to franchise tag him. He doesn't like what's going on. Bell can miss 10 games and still get an accrued NFL season, which set which would set him free after this season. Article 8, Section 1 of the co- Collective Bargaining Agreement states a player earns the season if he's, quote, full pay status for a total of six or more regular season games, end quote. Steelers have a Week 7 bye, making Week 12 his safety net, so he doesn't have to show up the majority of the season, and people are drafting Le'Veon Bell and asking me, why is he not in your top three for fantasy football running back rankings? I said, plain and simple, he's not on the team. What do you think about Le'Veon Bell holding out? He is wrong. Flat-ass dead wrong. Uh, I, I don't, you know... I applaud these kids for trying to hold out for as much money as possible. The NFL career is certainly not a lengthy one, maybe three, four years top, especially for a running back. And you got to get all the money you can. Uh, and I don't blame Le'Veon Bell doing that. Uh, but he's, he's, he's not, it, it doesn't say Le'Veon Bell's Steelers. It says the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, offense, defense, special teams. He's letting his team down. Uh, it's it's now, now they're starting to spite each other. They're starting to throw some slurs around here, which is not good. You know, the, the, the team is, frankly, the team is pissed off. They should be. I mean, if they want to make a legitimate run for the Super Bowl and beat New England somewhere along the line, they need Le'Veon Bell. But if Le'Veon Bell does not buy into the system, his ego's taken over too much, maybe his, maybe his uh, agent's a jerk, uh, he's selling himself short, no pun intended. I mean, he can get all the money he can. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the money that he's throwing around these days is sick. 
I mean, $13.5 million for a tender offer? Are you kidding me? I mean, Le'Veon, wake up, bro. Wake up. <laughs> and it's a, it's a crazy thing about this situation is that, you know, and, and this is the thing that I, I kept telling people when it wasn't enough to say, listen, he he's not on the team, so I'm not drafting him. I said this, and I said, go back in history and look. And the player that sticks out like a sore thumb more than anything else is Jamal Anderson after they went to the Super Bowl, and I've made this very clear. When players hold out, you cannot simulate OTAs. You cannot simulate training camp. You cannot simulate the workout regimen that the players and the coaches are going through. You cannot simulate contact, and you cannot simulate the games that you play during the preseason. With all of that being said, your body is not going to be prepared like everybody else's body is prepared, no matter how many cars you pull in your driveway and how many crunches you do on your front lawn or whatever it may be. It's not going to simulate what's going on. And the longer you hold out, the more susceptible you are to injury. And for the running back position, the longer a running back specific holds out, the more likely they get injured. And not just a little bit, they get injured for an entire season. And Jamal Anderson, case in point, he had held out. He came in. He was playing in practice. He went one way. His cleat got stuck. He tore his ACL and couldn't play the entire season after he finally came back to the team. So if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm thinking about, I've missed everything. I am not prepared for the season. My body's not prepared for the season. And I've now put myself in a position to have a very high probability that I could get hurt this year. You're exactly right, Daniel. That's well put. And I don't understand why he doesn't see that. I mean, all he's got to do is walk into his clubhouse. Look at how these guys are sweating two and two a days, barfing all over the place, trying to get in shape to play football. And he waltzes in and going to try to play football after no practice? It ain't going to happen. Uh, I, I real feel, you know, Mike Tomlin is a no-nonsense kind of football coach. I'm not sure where he stands with this, but he, he he should say something. He should come out. I don't know if he has in the last 24 hours or so, but he needs to come out and say something and say, listen, you know, if Levion's not here, the next man steps up. That kid from Penn State, super running back, going to be good. That's what he needs. To, he needs to protect his team. Le'Veon, you're out. You're out in the cold, bro. Well, and that's the thing, and that's why. And the guy that you brought up uh, coming out of the University of Pittsburgh, James Conner, that is, he's one of those guys that you know he has had a good preseason. He's been able to excel, and this is a guy who's gone through knee injuries. He's gone through cancer and found his way back onto the field. And here's little old James Conner who is going to be the guy in week one if he doesn't show up and for the foreseeable future. And even if Le'Veon Bell does show up, see, I'm the type of coach, I would be the type of coach, I'd be the type of GM, I'd be the type of owner, that if you show up after everybody else has busted their butt, like you said, throwing up on the side of the field, sweating, going crazy, you know, just if they went through all the blood, sweat, and tears and you sat at home and ate pork rinds and watched TV or did whatever you did while you were holding out, I'm going to make something very clear to you. You are not my number one guy. Well, how can Le'Veon Bell not be your number one guy? James Conner went through my OTAs, my training camp, my 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 workout regiment, my practice schedule, and he went through my preseason. So, Le'Veon, it's great to have you back, but guess what? James Conner is going to be out there until he can't run the ball well, and then maybe we'll take a chance on you. I don't commend, and I don't, 
I don't applaud people that put themselves over their team and over the greater good of the franchise. I don't do that. So if he, even if he came back to me today and I was Mike Tomlin, I would say shake hands with James Conner. He's our new starting running back. You're exactly right. Now, if you were a fan or even a Pittsburgh fan for that much, really, you know, they're rabid fans up there. Who would you rather? Who would you rather pull for? A guy with a history like Connor or Le'Veon Bell? Right. And, and James Con- and that's the thing is when you know if Le'Veon Bell looks around the country and he looks at what Jamal Anderson did, what this guy did, what that, I mean, it, it's it just doesn't work and it doesn't. Ha- I mean, look at for goodness sakes, everybody talks about the ego and the attitude of Odell Beckham Jr. But what did Odell Beckham Jr. do? He wanted a new contract, but he was still with the team, and they signed him. So the thing, I mean, he's not stupid. If you're if you are Le'Veon Bell. And you look at Terrell Owens. Where's Terrell Owens right now? Not in the league. Chad Ochocinco, where's he right now? Not in the league. Des Bryant, who claims that multiple teams offered him, but he's weighing his options. Where is he right now? Not in the league. So you can, I understand you want to get your money, you want to get what you're worth, but there comes a time where it starts to become more about you, more about the ego, more about the selfishness, and not so much about I'm trying to get mine. Because Odell got his, and Des Bryant would have got something, but he didn't want to play for Baltimore, allegedly, and he allegedly didn't want to play for Cleveland, and he wanted to see what people thought of him and this and that. Now he has no job. So, you know, it, it's funny. Be- he's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but, but think about this, Papa Joe, because I put somebody in this situation before. I was in a situation where somebody was, and Johnny says, are you ready for some football? We are. I had a real-life situation happen a few months ago to me where, as a broadcaster, I was asked to do a job. Now, I, last year, had discounted what I believe I am worth, and I discounted it, not a little bit, drastically. Now, I wasn't holding out for more money this year. I was willing to take the same pay cut that I took last year because I I figured I'm not going to get any more money out of this person because they're being cheap. So I said, I'll keep it where it's at. Even though my company grows every year, even though I gave you a discount last year, I should get, I should take that away this year, at least give myself something a little bit more this year, and I didn't. And so I sat in a meeting where they tried to undercut the undercut number and said to me, we have so many people that have just as much experience as you. There's a long line of people that have called us that'll do it for cheaper than your cheap cheap. And they're just as good as you are, if not better. And I called their bluff and I said, okay, have a great time with them. And they played their entire season without a consistent person broadcasting their games. They had no response to it. And I said to my wife, because she said the same thing. Kate said, watch them have nobody. And I, and I called the bluff of saying, I'm not going to undercut myself any more than I already have. And they went the entire season without a consistent professional broadcaster. So, you know, it's... In my situation, it worked out in the sense of I didn't need it, and I know it's different from Le'Veon Bell because he wants to play football or you think he wants to play football, but there comes a time where you say to yourself, I was getting undercut and getting disrespected. Le'Veon Bell is going to make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars with this franchise tag, and after the fran- I know guys don't like the franchise tag because there's no longevity to the contract. But it's an average of, I think, the the salaries. And he's going to make an inordinate amount of money this year. 
And then next year, go somewhere else. If that was my situation where they said, we're going to overpay for you and then let you broadcast for somebody else next year, game time. But, in you know, so I, I just, I get it and I've done it, but it's funny because Des Bryant called the bluff of the league and had no backup and someone called, and then I called the bluff on somebody else and they had no backup. So I'm kind of looking at Des going, you're just as stupid as the people I dealt with. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, Des Bryant is, is he's got problems too. I mean, he's a he's a clubhouse problem too. And you know, there's a reason why some of these guys are not uh, signed up. Uh, you know, going back to the Kaepernick deal, which I really don't want to get into because I'll get mad. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell is uh, an extremely talented young man. Uh, I think he toted the ball over 400 times last year, which is excessive for a running back. But uh, well, it's not the team's fault. I mean. He, he runs the ball as well as anyone. He catches the ball out of the backfield better than anyone. Uh, he blocks reasonably well. I mean, let's face it. If you're going to have a stud like that, he's going to play, and he's going to play a lot. Uh, you know, if he's got his feelings hurt because he thinks he's, you know, carrying and toting the ball too much, well, you know, get in better shape. But I don't see him playing uh, early in the season either, Daniel. I think that he's uh, his welcome. He's not going to be welcome in the clubhouse, and he's going to have this – Maybe if he comes back, he needs to sit down with the guys with a clubhouse-only meeting and stand up and say, listen, you know, I screwed up. I love you guys. You know, I want to play with you guys. I'm not in shape. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, I'm stuck. So if they, if they, if they, you know, make it a team deal. If they welcome him back with open arms, fine. Let him, let him stand on the sideline for a couple of games, get beat up in practice a few times to get – get the sores going so he can play. Uh, that, I, to me, that's the only way I think he's going to play. See, what I would do if I was Foster or Villanueva or Pouncey or DeCastro or Gilbert all on that offensive line, if he was behind us and finally came back to the team for a game and they called Hike and Roethlisberger handed off the ball to him, I'd take a step to the side, let him get slammed, and then i look at him and i go, oh, damn, you missed a step. Must be because you didn't make practice. That's good. That's good. That's a good way to wake them up, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit of a wake-up call here on Wake Up Call this morning. We had a message come in. Let's see what the message is. We got a few messages. So uh, so you took the franchise tag is what Johnny said to me. No, I didn't, Johnny. I didn't work with him. So, Or have you have we seen the last of Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh? Will he get traded this year to a team that will sign him long-term? Well, you know, this, this is another situation like Kirk Cousins where Kirk – I mean, Kirk didn't hold out, but Kirk got to a point where you can imagine – the team kept saying, well, you're our best option at quarterback, but we don't believe in you long-term. Well, you're our best option at quarterback, but we're not going to believe in you long-term. And now Minnesota does. And and that's another one that I bring up here is Kirk Cousins. Does he – I mean, when you see Kirk – I think Kirk's a talented guy. But it's put up or shut up time. He has Delvin Cook, Latavius Murray in the backfield. He's got Kyle Rudolph, who's one of the best serviceable tight ends in the country of the last decade. He has Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen – out there as wide receivers and a defense that's pretty good. I would like to I say that if Kirk Cous- if Minnesota isn't successful this year and Kirk is throwing a lot of interceptions, you're not getting the ball down the field, then we see okay, maybe Washington was right, but he's set up. Kirk Cousins, if he's any type of a good quarterback, he's set up to make a pretty deep run this year. I agree. Uh I think Washington made a big mistake there. You know, franchising him was the right thing to do. However, they didn't come up with a deal, but Kurt was an honest guy. He kept he kept playing. 
He's an excellent quarterback. He's probably a notch below Rodgers and, and Brady and Breeze. Uh, I think he excels in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is a smart quarterback. Look, at he was drafted. He wasn't drafted very high to sit behind uh, RG3. Uh, but he reminds me a lot of Brady coming out of college where he, you know, he wasn't drafted high. But he's got smarts. Uh, he's got a good arm. Not a great arm, but a good arm. He's a smart guy. He knows how to play football. He knows how to run the offense. He knows who he's got around him. I agree with Diggs and Rudolph and the rest of these guys. He's got some awesome guys around him. He's got a possession receiver in Thielen that can go anywhere and catch the ball. Um, he's, I think he does well there. I think the defense is going to be strong enough for him to stay off the field and get some rest every once in a while. Uh, I look for Minnesota to really, really challenge uh, Green Bay this year. I don't think Green Bay is going to be as tough as everyone thinks they are. But, you know, and that hurts me because we're from Milwaukee. But uh, I got to say that up front. Now, I think Minnesota is a class of that league, and I think it's because of Kirk Cousins. He got guaranteed money. How many times? I don't think that's ever been done. Uh, a full contract guaranteed. I don't know, something like, what, $84,000, $84 million, something like that. But it it goes to show you that Minnesota did their homework and said, you know what? This guy reminds me of Brady. He came out of school like Brady, not drafted high, worked his way through. He's a good, smart quarterback, and we want him, and they got him. Speaking here of Papa Joe, inside of Papa Joe's picks, Johnny keeps saying, look out for Detroit. Papa Joe, we're going to have to do your picks in a second here, but i got to ask you this about Le'Veon Bell. Does he get traded, in your opinion? Do they do they get to a point where they say, you know what, screw it. We don't want this type of trouble on our team. Let somebody else have him. Um, I don't think he's tradable right now, mainly because he's not in football shape. Whoever trades for him is going to have to keep him out for a couple of games anyway. You know, to get to get his body ready, uh, I'd be like like Oakland over there. You know, if you want Le'Veon Bell, give me two first round draft choices. Case closed. There you go. I like that. That's not a bad option here, Le'Veon Bell, because he's going to play well wherever he goes, and he's going to do great things wherever he goes. When he's healthy, he's one of the top three in the country at running back. But when he holds out, he's not much of anything. We call this segment Papa Joe's Picks. We talk about a lot of different things, but ultimately we make some picks. Are you ready, Papa Jay, to make some college football and some, dare I say it, because it's back today, are you ready to make some NFL picks for this week? Well, yeah, reasonably so. Uh, <laughs> start with the college if you want. Who you, what's up? All what right. Do you like? So college here, let's go down the line. I'm going to say... Let's see what we got here. I'm gonna because I cover the American Athletic and the ACC closely. I'm gonna go to those first. So the ACC, I'm gonna pick. Georgia Tech is playing at South Florida. I know Georgia Tech's got a good team. That's gonna be a tough game, but I'm gonna lean on South Florida in that game. I'm gonna I'm gonna say some of these I'm gonna pass over because they're the cupcakes. But Syracuse, obviously, I have over Wagner. Clemson at Texas A&M. I'm gonna pick Clemson in that one. And uh, and Pittsburgh's playing Penn State in only the second week of the season, and I don't know. I <laughs> Pittsburgh's at home. I might I might lean on Pittsburgh after Penn State went into overtime with Appalachian State. So South Florida, Georgia Tech, South Florida, Georgia Tech, Texas A and M, Clemson, and then Penn State, Pittsburgh. Who do you got? Uh, I like South Florida a lot. I think that's uh, I I think they're well coached, of course, by Charlie Strong, uh, and I think that they're. They're overwhelmingly better. Now, Clemson, Texas A&M. 
you got to watch this one. Uh, Big Jimbo got a whole bunch of money to go over there to Texas A&M. Uh, I don't think he's going to face a, a defense of like what Clemson's going to give him. Uh, I look for Clemson to be the winner in that game. What was the third game? The third game was the matchup inside of the oh, Pittsburgh, and, Pittsburgh Penn and Penn State. Yeah, A lot of emotion there. Uh, obviously, Penn State's going to come back this this week with a lot of emotion. They're going to... You know, they're going to play like they're afraid. They should be after Appalachian State. But I think Pittsburgh is a much better team than Appalachian State. Obviously, Pittsburgh has a real chance to win this game at home. I think they're going to expose uh, Penn State for a weaker team, and I think that they should. Uh, overall, I think that the Big Ten is uh, a couple notches below the rest of the the rest of the country, and I think that's going to prove out this, this week uh, at Penn State, Penn State and Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I have Pittsburgh in that one as well. The uh, There's another big game, Memphis, Mike Norvell going up against Navy, Kenny Amatololo. Uh Kenny Amatololo went back home to Hawaii this past week and lost in a high-scoring game. They're at home against Memphis, who's a high-scoring team, who just had a quarterback that made his debut on Memphis, Blair White, who threw to 12 different players in the game and scored 66 points. I got Memphis in this one. Navy's at home, though. What do you think? You know, I like Navy's ball control uh, with the the double wing, whatever they call it. I think that I think that Navy can hang on to the ball uh, and keep Memphis off the field. I think that's that's the only way they're going to win because I don't think they're going to outscore them. But they can grind the clock down. They're not going to throw the ball. They're going to grind it out. And if if Navy has ball control and works the clock. I think they got a shot at keeping Memphis off the field. If they don't keep Memphis off the field, it's goodbye. Absolutely, and and there's another game that's coming up this week in the top. It's a top twenty-five game, so but it's interesting because this guy took a lot of flack on social media recently, and obviously people on social media there's trolls all over the place. But there are a lot of questions for this former NFL head coach, and that's Jim Harbaugh. And he's at Michigan, and they're 21 ranked in the country, and their game's on Fox Sports 1 this Saturday, September 8th at noon Eastern time, and they're hosting Western Michigan, who just had a hell of a game against Syracuse where they scored 42. This could be a trap game for Michigan. What do you think? I agree. that He better be really careful with this one. Jim Harbaugh, I don't think, is as good a coach as everyone says he is. Maybe he reads too many of his headlines, even though uh, he is a good football coach. I don't know if Michigan's got the talent to play with uh, Wisconsin or Ohio State. Uh, th- this is a dangerous game for him. Uh, I read yesterday, last night, that uh, his job is not in danger. Well, everyone, you know, all all uh, administrators say that the job is not in danger. Well, it, it is in danger. I mean, you just can't comp- keep losing to the top-tier teams like this. Western Michigan is going to prove uh, that his team is not as good. I think he'll win. It's, he, he's not as good as everyone says he is. Yeah, and you know, and, and it's interesting where he stands right now in the grand scheme of things. And we just had a uh, question come up here or a response about Le'Veon Bell. And I said the conundrum is that you may not want to deal with Bell, but you definitely don't want to play against him. And that's that's the issue that teams are going to have to deal with is do you get to a point with him where you're just like, I don't want to deal with him anymore, but you don't want to play against him. And that's and that's the problem, and that's why these players try to, you know, do what they do in these situations of holdouts. But I've always been a pre- I've always felt the same way about it. If you hold out all the way into the season, it's all about you. at that point it's like don't even play. 
I mean, that's just how I feel at that. When, when you hold out and you're starting the season, and the season opens today, it's to me, it's just ridiculous. Oklahoma and UCLA. UCLA lost last year to Memphis, and they just had another team travel all the way over to UCLA, and that was Cincinnati, and Cincinnati just beat UCLA. Now UCLA is going to Oklahoma, who looked pretty damn good against FAU. What are your thoughts on this game? Because UCLA has fallen out of favor of the top 25, and in the American Athletic Conference that people want to say is not a power conference, which I disagree with severely, they've gotten beat by Memphis. They've gotten beat by Cincinnati. Now they have number six Oklahoma on the road. UCLA and Chip Kelly. Um, Again, Kelly reading too many headlines about himself. Not as good as coach as everyone says he is. Uh, Oklahoma is going to splatter these guys. Oklahoma's got too much talent. They run the ball. They throw the ball well. I think Kelly and his uh, up-tempo offense, it may take a while for him to click, but I don't see UCLA UCLA being competitive in this game. I got a big one for you, Papa Joe. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Maine at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's got the athletes. I think that's a no contest. <laughs> I had I had to throw you a curveball. There's another there's another there's another game that I did want to get to really quick here, and uh, that is the game that we have. Let's let's move up here a little bit and take a look at Georgia, number three in the country, at number twenty four ranked South Carolina. Uh, Bill Mushank has done a great job with South Carolina since he left Florida. Um, he wasn't he wasn't dealing with a full deck over there in Florida for some odd reason. I don't understand why. He certainly had the athletes, uh, but he's done a great job with South Carolina. Listen, for the rest of the country, you better understand this. The national championship runs through the SEC. I don't care what you say about any other conference. It runs through the SEC. Georgia is one of those SEC teams that you don't want to play. South Carolina is going to lose this game. Georgia is going to prove that they are – at least on a par with Alabama and Auburn and LSU. It runs through the SEC. And this is a great football game if people want to see really solid, solid football. Well-coached teams, good athletes, but I think Georgia's going to prevail. I got Georgia in this game as well as I do have them as one of the top teams in the country. Papa Joe's picks, final ones here. I'm just going to pick a couple games. I'm going to give you... These games that I think, oh, well, this will be an interesting game. Pittsburgh, Sands, Le'Veon Bell, at least for now. So Pittsburgh at Cleveland with Cleveland's institution of two new quarterbacks, a bunch of new running backs, a bunch bu- and wide receivers out there like Jarvis Landry. Cleveland at home against Pittsburgh, who right now does not have Le'Veon Bell. Cleveland's got no shot in this game, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> They, they can they can draft all they want, they, whoever they got. They can bring in whoever they want at quarterback. They're not going to win this game. They're not going to be competitive for a while. Now, with that being said, perhaps down the road, maybe a couple months down the road, they can be competitive. But they're not going to be competitive in this game. Pittsburgh is just too strong, and uh, Pittsburgh is going to prove that, right? Uh, look, if you can look at the first drive or the first couple of drives. You can tell exactly what's going to happen. If Pittsburgh starts muscling them on both offensive defensive lines, game's, game's over. San Francisco with – I know he played at the end of last season, but this is the first time that he's got the team wholeheartedly. It's his team. 
Jimmy Garoppolo and, and San Francisco at Kirk Cousins, Minnesota? Well, that's a good one. I think Garoppolo is, is going to be the next wave of of uh, quarterback that's going to take over for the Bradys and the Breezes. Uh, he's certainly a very gifted player. We talked about Minnesota earlier. I think that Kirk Cousins is ready for this. I don't think San, San Francisco is. I think Minnesota's got too many weapons. Garoppolo, notwithstanding his talent and, and uh, his coaching and his receivers and, and backs and everything, certainly they're well-established. Uh, they proved at the end of last year that with a good quarterback they can win, albeit against weak competition at the end of the year. Minnesota should win this game. And I'm going to go with – oh, this is tough for me. This is tough for me. I want to go with San uh, – ah, I don't know what to do. This is so tough. Kirk Cousins is at home, though. I'm going to – I'm gonna. it's because it's at home that it makes it so difficult. So I'm going to – and San Francisco has problems with their running back right now. So I'm going to go with Minnesota. My final game for – well, my final two games for you. This is for Miss Mary because we love her. Chicago at Green Bay for Sunday night football. Who's got it? Um. I think Trubisky's going to be a really good quarterback in this league for Chicago, uh, but I look for Green Bay to take it over. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is just—he's just, just too good. He's just too good. Uh, even if he has an off night, he's still too good. I think Green Bay wins it easy. I got Green Bay in this one. I lied. I had two more because because of Chucky's back. The final game to be played in Week One at ten fifteen p.m. Eastern time, which means Papa Joe will be up with a Monster Energy drink watching it. Los Angeles Rams at the Oakland Raiders with the return of John Gruden. I think Chucky I think Chucky and his boys made a pretty big mistake with Miles Jack. Um, I, I don't know what they were thinking. You, uh, you got you mean Khalil Mack on that one? Yeah, 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 yeah Mack. Uh, I um I, I don't know what Chucky was thinking. Although they got two first round picks for him. Uh he, he's he's the kind of uh uh generational player that can take over a football game on a defensive side. Uh, and I think that's a, it's, I think losing him uh, is going to hurt them drastically. Now two first, first, two first round picks not going to come into play until next year. So I think Chucky's going to go, uh, Chucky's going to go South on this one. Yeah, I don't have – I got the Rams in this one. They spent a lot of money on defense. They shed they, – they had so many wide receivers, they shed a bunch of them, brought in so – they, they spent money on balancing the team is what they did. So I like the Rams in this one. I like the Rams this season. I think that they can make the playoffs. My final game, and I saved the best for last, and it's Leonard Fournette against Saquon Barkley for the first time ever in the history of the NFL. Jacksonville at New York, what do you got? Well – Barkley's got to prove himself yet. Um, Jacksonville's defense is going to be too tough. Of course, we're going to pick Jacksonville. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm not going to pick Jacksonville because I am a Jacksonville man. So I like Jacksonville. I think that the defense is going to take over the game. Bortles will do just enough to win, like he usually does. Uh, but I think Fournette will have a big game. Uh, Eli Manning, um, I don't know what's up with him, uh, but I like, I like Jacks. I love the fact that our resident Giants fan that listens every day, Orange Avenger, said, boo, Papa Joe. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm picking Jacksonville, too, and not because I've covered Jacksonville for the last 10 years and been close with the team since 1995. I'm picking Jacksonville because of the fact that their defense up against – listen – 
I know Odell's back and Saquon's there and the offensive line's better than this. You're playing the best defense in the country, number one. Number two, you're playing up against Leonard Fournette. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are not a pushover team anymore. They need to make a strike. And they remember, folks, have a giant chip on their shoulder because of that game in Foxborough that I was at in the AFC Championship. So this is their first opportunity to strike. And it's their first chance to lay, you know, to, to get that victory when they didn't get to taste it at the end of last season. And oh, by the way, their first home game is week two, and it's against the Patriots. So I think they kind of want to send a little bit of a message this week. So I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road with two guys that I would love to have on my fantasy roster and Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette, but we're going with Jacksonville. Papa Jay. Always fun to talk with you. Great to have you back. I don't know how I got through these Thursdays without you, so I'm happy to have you here. <laughs> well, it's always fun, Daniel. It's always fun. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk with you soon, and happy football watching. Okay. Same day. Bye. Right, take care. That coming from Papa Joe. Papa Joe's picks, baby. They're in. He's back. It's awesome. And the conversation is always wonderful and always multi-layered. Let's take a step aside. We're staying with football, folks. Why? Because it's Football Thursday. Football is back. The NFL is here. It's going to happen in just a few hours. Are you ready? Atlanta's playing Philadelphia for a game that counts. Oh, my goodness. We got all the way here, and here we go. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying, in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to Canine Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. 
Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I love today. Today is like, it's like a holiday for me. It's like a don't anybody talk to me about anything but football day for me. I'm very, very, very excited, appreciative. The top things trending on Twitter, Fly Eagles Fly and the hashtag for the Falcons. Very excited about this. Falcons and Eagles playing up against each other. They played in the playoffs against each other. They're both in the NFC, and they're going to start off the season for us, the 2018-19 NFL season. And and I told you that Mike and I would bridge the gap for you, that Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, that we would take your hand and we would walk with you through all of this time where there are no games and give you football every week. And I applaud Mike and appreciate Mike for joining me and making that a reality. And before you know it, here we are this morning on a Thursday, and we're talking about here you got to set your fantasy lineups. you got to be ready to watch the games. Where are you watching the game? What's going on? These games count now. So we started this thing earlier than we have any other year, and I thought to myself, wow, football season feels like it's a while away as far as games go, and, all, and now we're here. 
So it just goes to show time flies when you're having fun. We're proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Pennant Trophy Center inside of this wonderful, beautiful thing that we enjoy calling the Fantasy Football Power Hour. And I'm so thankful to have Mike Sofka here with me of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. My good sir, happy football Thursday. It's been a long time, but I'm happy I finally get to say it. Yeah, I'm excited. This reminds me of the day, and you probably remember this as well, reminds me of the day I got my driver's license. All of a sudden, the future looks real bright. I got all this stuff planned. I got stuff that's going to be happening. I'm going here next week. I'm doing this on this day. You know, I'm excited. I am ready to go. More than happy to have this game coming up today. The first thing that we're going to talk about is, ironically, the, the one of the last things I talked about with Papa Joe, and that is the reason why I didn't draft a certain player named Le'Veon Bell. I got asked in my rankings, Dan, he's a top three running back. Why isn't he in your top three? I said plain and simple. He's number six. He's outside of the top five because he's not with the team right now. Not with OTAs, not with training camp, not with practice, not with the preseason games. And ultimately, it does two things. Well, when it comes to a running back, especially, as I said earlier in the show, not only are you more susceptible to injury when you don't show up to the team, but running backs are more susceptible, as it looks, throughout history than anybody else for getting injured as they step back into the season. So this is where we sit. This is where we stand. He's not on the team. Le'Veon Bell is not there. I stayed away from him in the fantasy drafts because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't think he would go on this long. And now he's in a very dangerous position of his team is pissed off at him. He still hasn't reported. And on top of all of that, He's more susceptible to injury historically, if you follow that way. Yeah, this is just about math. It's about math on both sides. It's about math for the Steelers wanting to ink him up on a franchise tag and then use and abuse Le'Veon Bell. Because if you have a Ferrari and it's the last time you're going to drive the Ferrari, you're going to open it up. You're going to want to get on a racetrack and see what that thing can do. You're going to want to get on some country roads and tear it up. Well, that's exactly what the Steelers are probably going to do. He'd probably get 40, 50 touches, and that's no exaggeration because, you know, Pittsburgh offense runs through Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. So what they don't want, what Le'Veon Bell's side doesn't want, is they don't want a lot of wear and tear on that vehicle because he's getting ready to go into free agency, and it's looking less likely that Pittsburgh's going to be interested or that he's going to be interested in Pittsburgh. So this is the thing where he's got to report by week 10, otherwise he loses that free agency moniker. So the bottom line is the bottom line. It's math on both sides, and we're stuck in the middle. As fans, as fantasy football players, we're stuck in the middle. Now, if you were fortunate enough not to draft Le'Veon Bell, you're you're laughing at the guy who did. But if you do have Le'Veon Bell, this isn't over. It's not going to be over for a while. There is a chance they come together on common ground in a few weeks and cut this short, but I doubt it. It might just stretch out to week 10. And if that's the case, don't panic. There's probably some guys on the waiver wire if you need some assistance, go to the website, hit me up, shoot me an email. And the most obvious one is James Conner. This is the guy who has the most to offer for Pittsburgh, and this is the guy who has the most to offer you. Now, he's not going to put up Le'Veon Bell-type numbers, but it's better than a zero or no one. So with that in mind, go go get you some. Now, the flip side of this, if you're in a keeper dynasty-type situation, I don't have to tell you, go out and get some Le'Veon Bell. 
because he's going to be back next year. Maybe give us some draft picks or a draft pick or a player that you have an abundance of. This guy needs a running back. You got an extra one. By all means, do that. I'm not so excited about trading for him in a redraft league, but, you know, if you have Le'Veon Bell, also put the word out to other owners if you're in a redraft league. Hey, I'm interested in picking up a running back, but affordable. Make sure you make it obvious that you're not looking to get used and abused. This is an emergency situation. Even though the other owners may consider it an emergency situation, don't give up the farm. Be smart. You know, you were smart enough to to, to have a good draft and to listen to us and follow us, and, and hopefully we've been able to assist. But you know what? The bottom line is still the bottom line. You're going to want to win, and you got to manage your team week to week. So even if you have to pick up and drop guys, even if you have to get a guy that's a part of a committee, it's better than a zero, and you never know. Injuries happen, and maybe maybe that pendulum will swing back the other way in your favor. Absolutely. you know, And that's the thing, and that's why you know James Conner, I wanted to draft him toward the end of the draft because I love his story. I just wanted to have him on my team. And then it became, oh, thank God I have James Conner because he's done pretty well in the preseason. And on top of all of that, look at the situation we're in right now. We did get a question, and I want to answer the question here. Running back advice. What free agents are plausible to gamble on in the free agent pool? So looking at the league specifically, and uh, this is one of the players we have in our league, Orange Avenger, is asking this question. So available right now as free agents are Duke Johnson Jr., Frank Gore, Jonathan Stewart, as well as Matt Breda, James White, Mike Gillisley, who's now with New Orleans, just to name a few. Those are the guys that are available. So, Mike, I'll defer to you, and then I'll answer the question. Of those names that I just named, and Theo Riddick as well, of those names that I just named off, who would you suggest they pick up in this situation? Now, I don't have our scoring system in front of us in this league you're referring to. If it's PPR, I'm going to say. It's it's yeah. non, it's the non-PPR one. Okay. Then you want to get some Matt Breda. I think he's going to be the guy that emerges from this with the most touches. He's going to he's going to be the more so the bell cow than, than, than Albert Morris. I think Albert Morris has got a lot of mileage on the tires and they're just going to run that thing like a committee and try to manage those those touches for each. But I think between Breda and Morris, I like Breda better. I think he has more upside. If you are in a PPR format, you're going to consider Duke Johnson or Theo Reddick. Either one of those guys should help you out. Um, you know, he, he, either one of those guys are not the starter in their respective teams, but they're the guy who usually comes in at third down, second and long. They're the guy who can catch the screens, catch the passes, and, and maybe even do something for you. So I, I would tend to go that route. I, I think the guy with the most upside is Matt Breda. Yeah, you know, Matt Breda, when we're looking at him right now, you know, obviously Mike Gillisley got bumped off of New Orleans, of, of the uh, Patriots heading to New Orleans. So that's not one that I'm really sold on right now. As far outside of that, you know, James White is by committee, and the committee got bigger this year. Uh, Rod Smith, he's got Zeke Elliott in front of him. I like Theo Riddick and Duke Johnson Jr., even if it's not. If it's PPR, definitely. If it, if Duke Johnson, without question. But if it's non-PPR, I still like Duke Johnson and Theo because I know they'll get something, but it's just what they'll get. And the thing that concerns me about Theo Riddick is that he does get injured, but he plays injured. In the case of Matt Breda, you know, he's the top running back on the depth chart right now. Jarek McKinnon's out for the season. So, and Alfred Morris is there, 
and I picked up Alfred Morris in one of the leagues. I want to see what he'll do, but I, you know, I'm not sold on Alfred Morris like I would be on Matt Breda. So I guess if we're looking at it right now, I'd have to agree with you, Mike, that Matt Breda is probably the best one in a non-PPR situation with the players that are available. And I like to answer the question as succinctly and as clearly as we can. So if you do have a question and you send us a fantasy question and you say, who's the best running back available, let us know what the list looks like or screenshot what's out there in your free agents because we could be giving you names that are not available. So let's make sure that we help you out where we can. And Orange Avenger happens to be in one of our Syracuse leagues, so that helped us out a little bit here. And uh, we got another question. What is the lowdown with LaShawn McCoy? What do they have to worry about? So this is kind of a, a background thing, Mike. LaShawn McCoy hasn't been suspended, but there's a notion or at least a sense that this could be an ongoing or a fear that this is an ongoing issue. What do you think about the LaShawn McCoy factor, knowing that he's by far the best player in Buffalo, and as of right now, he's he's on the field. I mean, it's he's not off the field, but could this – make people feel like Ezekiel Elliott situation, I guess, like last year. Yeah, I don't blame people for feeling that way because you don't know what you don't know, and that's the scary thing. But, you know, you pointed out the situation, you know, right there. You said that he's the best guy in Buffalo. He is. And that's the scariest part is he doesn't have an offensive line. He doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. He doesn't have an outstanding, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback, Pro Bowl receiver. There's no Pro Bowl players blocking for him. I, I just, I'm looking for a positive thing here in Buffalo, and I'm, I, I'm really having a hard time finding it. But, ironically, sometimes that's where the best fantasy players come from, is from the bad teams, because that's all they got. They're going to run that guy, they're going to run that guy, and when they're done, they're going to run him again. So I think there's more upside than downside here. If you remember some of the Zeke situations and and even most recently the Jameis Winston situation, these situations took a year or more to evolve. And the same thing with the Tom Brady suspensions. It took time for that to happen. So while I'd like to think that in week five, all of a sudden you're you're not going to hear, oh, my gosh, McCoy suspended for the rest of the year. I I don't think that's going to happen. There's a process, and and part of that process is an appeal, and this thing can be drug out throughout the season. So I'm I'm a glass half full guy. I say go ahead and roll the dice with McCoy. If you, if you drafted him, you probably got him at a bargain price, unless you you know foolishly overpaid. You know, I in some drafts I stole, I absolutely stole him, like in a sixth or seventh round. I was I was beside myself, so I had to take him, even though I'm not a strong believer in McCoy or the Bills. So at a certain point, you have to find either value or you're either going to gonna 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 make that movement or you're going to get off the pot as he used to say the bottom line is still the bottom line he's not a good he's not on a good team he's a decent player he can help you he has tremendous upside and you know if you got McCoy go ahead and play him don't panic everything will be all right and I think it's going to take a year or more for this thing to pan out yeah you know I think and I did take a chance on him one time this season in one of the leagues I I rolled the dice and said, "Whatever, I get you know. I guess I'll give him a shot." And in and, and I already had running backs that I liked at the point that if he wasn't going to be the guy, it was going to be okay. But you know, it, it is it, it does cause concern because the Buffalo Bills have once again gone into a season putting nothing around him, and or having some talent that's been untapped, like a Zay Jones. So for me, I, I mean, it's he's the best option they have. 
He's the seemingly at times the only option that they have. And we, you know, we're sitting here with an ongoing situation. He just said recently that he'll take care of it. And he, he hasn't really replied more than anything is I'm focusing on the Ravens. I'll take care of that other stuff. So not, not a lot of conversation on, on, you know, and, and just to kind of brush it off like, oh, it's that other stuff. Well, it's a, it's a pretty big stuff. It's a pretty big bag of stuff. So we'll see what happens from here. But unlike Zeke, he wasn't suspended going into the season and appealing it. He hasn't been suspended yet. He hasn't been convicted yet. Nothing has happened yet. So you could be okay. But it is one of those things where I understand, just as Mike said, why people are concerned. Staying with the running back, we may see one of the best running back versus games in week one. If on paper, at least on paper and on, and, and if you got both of these guys on your team, you're sitting pretty, you're feeling good going into the season. And that is Jacksonville at the Giants, where we get to see Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley on the same field against each other for the first time ever in the NFL. Thoughts on this game and the fantasy value of this game. And if you have both of them, do you throw them both out there knowing that Jacksonville's defense is number one in the country? Well, if you got both of them, I don't know how that happened, but God bless you. You know, I think the bigger question is what's going to happen in that Jalen Ramsey-Odell Beckham Jr. matchup there. You know, Ramsey's talked a lot of smack in the offseason here, come out with a list of of quarterbacks saying how bad they are. Eli was one of them. You know, and Odell and, and Ramsey, ironically, these guys are friends. They hung out quite a bit over the summer. They, you know, jawed with each other, and, they, you know, they're, they're on friendly terms, but you know, those terms have got a little less friendly since the schedule came out and they realized they're playing each other in week one. They always what if it, but, you know, when you're an AFC team, you don't always play the NFC. So, much less the NFC East, much less the guy, you know, you're going to be matched up against is, is one of your friends. So it's a unique situation. I look for Odell to maybe have um, maybe four or five catches, maybe 70, 50 yards, maybe a touchdown if they're lucky. I look for it to be a mediocre performance by the Giants. I look for the Jags to continue on and be able to run the ball. I think if the Jacksonville defense can do a fraction of what they did last year against even this revamped New York offense where they've got better offensive linemen, they got better at running back, their receivers are back healthy, it looks like they're headed in the right direction. But how can you stop or top the speed and the tenacity of the Jacksonville Jaguar defensive line? And then, oh yeah, they got cover guys at the corner. They got hard hitting safeties. They got they got it all. They got the package. So I look for Jacksonville to continue the domination here. I look for Jacksonville to win the game. I look for Leonard Fournette to have a solid performance because I think they're going to try to run the ball right down the Giants' throat. And I think that you know if you're looking for value fantasy-wise, the one guy I can pick out of this game is a Leonard Fournette or a Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon's going to catch more passes, so if you're in a PPR league, that's a better deal. I got um, I got Leonard Fournette ranked the number five running back this week. I got Saquon ranked the number 11, and that's standard scoring. Uh, you know, quarterback, not so much either team. I don't think that I like either guy really that much. Uh you could do much better. They're both in the twenties in my ranking, and you know Odell Beckham. He's he's going to get it. He's going to get the targets. So just on targets alone, I'm going to give him the number eight position. 
you know, uh, against all other wide receivers in standard scoring. And, you know, I don't think there's much to write home about in the tight end situation. you got Evan Ingram coming back from the concussion protocol. He still sneaks into the top ten that I have at number nine in standard scoring. And, you know, receivers, I wish I had more to report on either side of the ball. There's a lot of questions yet to be answered. It's going to definitely be an interesting game. But I look for Jacksonville to prevail, and I look for a mediocre performance by Odell Beckham. You know, good performance by most any other athlete, but that's not the standard for, for, for Beckham Jr. It's a much higher standard, so it should be a real interesting game. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good game in, in the grand scheme of things, and ultimately I'm picking Jacksonville in this game. I think playing their defense and special teams against Eli Manning as well as playing Leonard Fournette's a good go, and Saquon Barkley, here's the debut, folks. We're going to go through these matchups and give our fantasy advice. It feels good to do this, Mike, doesn't it? To finally be able to talk matchups, it feels great. I love this. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> This is my favorite part of doing everything is talking about the game, talking about what could happen, trying to trying to trying to set things up so we can have a winning football season. So let's hop into it. Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com is where Mike Sofka is from, and you can find me at WakeUpCallDT.com, the fantasy football tab. There's a quick link on the main page and on fan on the fantasy football tab on WakeUpCallDT.com. There's our NFL prediction page. There is also uh, there's the NFL prediction page, there's the rankings, and there's our fantasy football shows that you can listen into and catch up on. So make sure that you do that going into this week and going into this season. And Mike, I usually put my picks up, but I think it would be kind of cool to do this if we have your picks up there as well. So I'm going to jot down your picks, and every week we're going to have both of our picks up there for who's going to win the game. Sound fair? Yeah, sounds right. good. Awesome. So we're going to go to that first game, which is tonight. And I'm so happy we moved the fantasy football power hour to Thursday. So now we can include Thursday night football in the mix. And it feels so good to do it. I'm very excited to finally usher this in. So the first game that we have to talk about, Mr. Sofka, is the Falcons at the Eagles. We know that the starter for the Eagles will be Nick Foles. If you have team quarterback like you do in my league, you have Foles and Wentz, which I think is a great tandem, obviously. What do you think about the fantasy value for the Falcons and the Eagles in this game? Yeah, you know, on the Falcons' side of the ball, I think their quarterback situation and their offensive play was mired in muck last year and first year under that Sarkeesian system. But that's no excuse. These are professional athletes, and they should have and could have adjusted. So I'm not sure where the breakdown is. And, you know, I've downgraded Matt Ryan across draft boards this year. I've downgraded him this week as well. Although I like the Falcons in this game, I think you're going to have mediocre performances by both Nick Foles and Matt Ryan. I've got them ranked 16 and 20 respectively in the quarterback rankings. Now, when I go to running back, it's a little bit different situation. Devonta Freeman, how can you not have this guy in your starting lineup? You're going to have him in your starting lineup. If you have him on your team, he's going to be in your starting lineup. Same thing with Jay Ajayi, more of a running back two this week in my rankings, but you know, still a guy that you can put out there. Receiver-wise, well, not so much outside of Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones is the only answer in this game at wide receiver till we're proved different. He's the number seven receiver in a standard scoring league for me this week. You know, I, I'm hard-pressed to find an eagle that I can say that, you know, is top 10 or top 20, top 30 even. So I'm not even going to go there. 
the one guy you can count on, though, is probably the tight end, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, the number three tight end. And, of course, Austin Hooper's going to make an appearance here, but I don't think he's living up to where he needs to be quite yet. He's more of a tight end two slash three. So you're going to find your value in Zach Ertz, and you're going to find that this game is um, – up and down a bit, but it, I don't know if it's going to be so high scoring. I think there's going to be some mediocre play. It's going to be a lot of running the ball, but both of these teams, either one of them, could open it up or could shut the other team down. I like the Falcons ruining the Super Bowl hangover of the Philadelphia Eagles today in the game. Yeah, you know, I think this is definitely going to be a good game. It's going to be an interesting one. I, like you, have downgraded Matt Ryan, and, and I just I stayed away from him, honestly. I thought there was other guys out there that were better suited for my team or better to put out there, in my opinion. So Matt Ryan is not in my great graces here for, for this game. I'm not a huge fan of him going into this season. So the way that I look at it is, you know, for me, I like Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman. That's a given for Atlanta. When Julio Jones is healthy, he does some good things. Even when he's not 100%, he does some good things. Tevin Coleman, not bad. I don't know if you want to use the tandem going out in week one. I would kind of lean more on Devontae Freeman and see what Tevin Coleman does to start off the season. And then outside of that, to take a look at the other side of things for the Eagles. I like the Eagles quarterback. I do like Nick Foles in this game. You know, if you could play two quarterbacks, then that's a great week for you to put somebody like him out as your QB2. I don't think he's a QB1. But he is a guy that that I I mean I love this I love the Philly quarterback tandem and I like that I dra- and I drafted it I drafted the Foles Wentz because we get the team quarterback so I don't think it's a bad decision to make from that perspective Jay Ajayi kind of a flex guy for me in in his situation to kind of see how things come out Corey Clement same type of thing he can catch the ball and he can also run the ball did some great things in the Super Bowl helped them win the Super Bowl. So I like Corey Clement out there. And uh, Nelson Aguilar, he's another wide receiver I would look to in this game to do some nice things. So nobody wows me in this game fantasy-wise, but there are a bunch of players on both sides of the spectrum. So, Mike, just to be clear, you're going with the Falcons in this game, correct? Yep. All right, and I am going to side with the Eagles in this matchup. Next matchup that we have is on Sunday, September 9th. There's a whole slew of games, and we'll start with the Bills and the Ravens. Fantasy value with Buffalo and the Ravens. Let's start with the road team and the Bills. Yeah, you know, I I, I said it before. I'm having a hard time finding some positive things to say about what's going on in Buffalo, and I think the one guy you can play from Buffalo is McCoy. I, I think he's not the top running back this week by any means. And that defense from Baltimore is going to step up a little bit. If you have the Baltimore defense, I don't need to tell you to play him. You're going to play him. But I got McCoy, the number 15 running back this week. You know, Joe Flacco's, you know, a wreck. Peterman's beyond a wreck. So I don't see anything in quarterback there. And receiver-wise, maybe a Crabtree as a a low-end wide receiver, too, just based on volume. Uh, And-wise, again, you know, I'm finding – difficulty finding something positive here for Buffalo. I, I'm i just going to leave it at that. If you have McCoy, play him. If you don't, I, I have nothing nice. My mama said a long time ago, you don't have something nice to say about somebody. Don't say anything. So I'm going to leave it at that for Buffalo. The Ravens, you're going to get tremendous value on the defense. 
you know, their running attack is a is a mixed bag as well. You know, I think Alex Collins is going to be worthy of a bottom-end RB1 when everything shakes out in this game because I think they're just going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball, and then they're going to run the ball some more because I think the Ravens are going to dominate in this game. I'm going to pick them to win, and I'm also going to play a few Ravens players like I mentioned. Yeah, you know, for me, I think the Ravens are going to win this game as well. I'll agree with you on that pick. I am going with the Ravens. It's on the road. The Bills don't look that great. Nathan Peterman, you know, I was behind him last season coming into the season because I got to watch him in college, you know, play for Pittsburgh, and I, and I thought that Buffalo would have, you know, a better option than what he put out there last season. It kind of goes to say where Josh Allen is with everything, that they would hand the ball to Peterman, or Peterman's upgraded himself at this point. But really on the Bills, the only thing I feel good about is LaShawn McCoy. Zay Jones, the guy that I like that came out of East Carolina, but I haven't seen anything to have me tell you to put him on your roster, let alone play him. Charles Clay is not a bad option, but again, he's got a new quarterback. So this is kind of like sit and wait type of thing. And I know people will be mad, oh, Dan, you know, Charles Clay had two touchdowns and you didn't say to play him. But when I look at this, the Bills are that team that could score three points in this game and the game could end 10-3 to or it could be 27-3 or 27-6. to I don't see the Bills dominating. I think if Peterman starts this game off slow, sluggish, and throws a bunch of interceptions, that they got to just shift to Josh Allen in the here and now because Bills fans are not going to get behind that. So really for me, it's LaShawn McCoy. I know Chris Ivory's there from Jacksonville last year, and, and I wasn't a big fan of Chris Ivory's fantasy value really ever since he left the Saints. So it's LaShawn McCoy and nobody else for Buffalo, in my opinion. And then for the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they kept their three quarterbacks on their roster. I don't know if I'm looking at any of these to save your game or, or to make this a high scoring game if it was any wide receiver it would be Michael Crabtree and I like Alex Collins in this game if he's your RB2 or your flex guy I like Alex, Alex Collins because I do think they're going to run the ball I do think they're going to pressure Buffalo and I would consider the Baltimore defense and special teams I am also going to pick the Ravens to win this game Bucks at Saints what do you have for me Mike going to be an interesting game because I think the Saints defense has improved. I think the Bucks offense is a, a mixed bag of tricks. You don't know what you're going to get. It's kind of like that box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. The, the Bucks are being led by Ryan Fitzpatrick this first couple games due to the suspension to Jameis Winston, but I don't think they're going to do themselves any favors on the road in New Orleans. I got Fitzpatrick ranked as the number 23 quarterback, and then I got New Orleans. You know who their quarterback is, Drew Brees. And even though Tampa's made some improvements and strides on their defense, it's a home game for Drew Brees, number three quarterback on my rankings this week. I do look for New Orleans to win this game. I do think that they're going to have the biggest margin of victory of any team this week in New Orleans and running back wise they got the best running back or one of the best running backs in the league in Alvin Kamara it doesn't matter that Melvin Ingram suspended for a couple games it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show they're going to monitor his touches and his targets you know they're going to manage what he does but how can you hold back a thoroughbred if you want to run you let him run on the flip side running the ball for Tampa you would have thought that Ronald Jones would have been the guy by now the guy they reached out to get Peyton Barber is a, a top-end uh, running back three or a flex play in my book. He's number 26 on the list. And wide receiver, 
Mike Evans is usually one of the top guys. He's downgraded to number 16 or, you know, a, a, a top-end wide receiver to New Orleans, though. New Orleans has got the guy. The guy you want is Michael Thomas, number four receiver this week. Michael Thomas, a guy who can run past people, stretch the field, and he can jump up and get that ball in the corner. He's got some height. He's got some hops. I like Michael Thomas a lot. Going to tight end. Yeah, I wish I could report something really positive. O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid are going to cannibalize each other, but I think O.J. Howard is going to be the guy who starts to emerge this year, so I like him a little bit better as a tight end, too. And we don't really know who that guy is that's going to emerge out of New Orleans. It looks like it's going to be old man Ben Watson, the number 18 tight end on my list this week. And again, I think the Saints are going to blow out the Bucks at home. Yeah, I, I don't really put too much of anything on the Bucks. I, I don't – I mean, yeah, they got Mike Evans. I'm not sold on Peyton Barber. I, I like Jacquez Rogers, but they never play him unless somebody gets hurt. He does have fantasy value, but, again, they don't play him unless somebody gets hurt. So, you know, it's one of those situations where I'm not too fond of the backfield there. As far as injuries go, we obviously have the four-game suspension – for Mark Ingram that, that people know about, he's eligible to return on October 8th against Washington, which is pretty cool because it's my dog in heaven, Shady's birthday. So happy birthday early to Shady. To Tampa Bay to take a look at this, uh, obviously Jameis Winston, you brought up that suspension, and uh, Vita Vea is questionable for Sunday, the defensive tackle with a calf injury that was drafted in this year's draft. Outside of that, to, to take a look at both of these teams, I'll start with the Bucks because I always start with the road team. I'm I'm not a fan of, of a lot going on in Tampa. Mike Evans is not bad. Whenever I go to draft him or he's available, my head says he's not a bad player and he's the best option. But then my then my head also says to me, but he's on Tampa. So Mike Evans, I would I would kind of lower him to a flex guy for you this year I, or this week week one. I wouldn't put him as a one or a two. Your Cameron Brayton OJ Howard situation. I've been on like both sides of this situation the last couple of years, and they both can do things, but neither one of them separated. I like you, Mike, thought that OJ Howard would come in and take the job, but he he hasn't yet. So I am cautiously optimistic that OJ will, since I've leaned more on him this season. But if they can't figure it out after this season, I'm just going to stay away from it altogether. As far as the New Orleans Saints go, on their side of things, I like Drew Brees in this game because I'm not worried about Tampa's defense. I like Elvin Kamara. He's somebody that I think you know is an every-week play. Michael Thomas I, I like in this game. Cameron Meredith as a flex guy because they're playing the Bucks. And I really am hoping that I'm right about Cameron, Cameron Meredith and that what he could have brought to Chicago as a number one receiver, he will bring to New Orleans and spread out the field. So I'm looking forward to that. And Ben Watson, he might catch some touchdowns. He might get one touchdown, seven yards in this game. He might get a couple touchdowns over the middle. So he's not a bad one to look at as well because they're playing the Bucks in this matchup and I'm not sold on either defense but definitely not Tampa in this one so Mike you're going with I would I would venture to say you're going with the Saints like you said I am going with the Saints as well the next game that we have on the docket for week one of the NFL season for 2018-19 in the fantasy football power hour proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus New York and the Penny Trophy Center in East Syracuse New York Texans at the Patriots what do you got in this one 
Yeah, you know what? Going to the evil empire is always a tough thing. The Patriots did give up the, the home opening loss last year. If you were playing in survivor pools, that blindsided a lot of people. I still like New England in this game. That being said, I think they're going to win by at least a touchdown. I think the Texans are back. I think the Texans are dangerous right now. And they're being led, of course, by Deshaun Watson coming back from that injury. Number eight quarterback on my ranking this week but you know you take the flip side you're going up against the number two quarterback on my ranking and Tom Brady even though Houston can get after the quarterback and put pressure on them even though they got a pretty solid defense you know I still gotta like Houston in this game and it starts at the quarterback like I said the evil empire putting out Tom Brady now running back wise that's a little bit different situation you're going to have to hunt and peck, and it could be a different guy each week. Right now, I like the favorite out of that backfield in New England to be James White. I think he's the guy, it's secretly the guy, even though they paid Rex Burkhead a lot of money, and even though they're wheeling and dealing and rolling guys in and out of there, bringing in Sony Michelle, but he has a minor injury to his knee, he's overcoming. I think we're going to see different guys all the time. I think it's going to be the team effort that they usually put out in New England. So I don't think you can invest too heavily on a running back for New England. And and I think Rex Burkhead may get a share of that as well. I think you could roll either one of those guys out there as a as a running back two or a flex and be happy with the results. They're especially in a PPR league. Those guys are designed to catch the ball on the flat and take off. Get them get those guys the ball in space. That's what they do. Receiver wise, New England has really struggled at the receiver position, especially now that Edelman's out for a couple games. But I like DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the ball, number two receiver on my rankings this week. And that's not PPR. He might be tied in PPR for Antonio Brown. You know, those guys are going to get the touches. So I like DeAndre Hopkins a lot, especially PPR. You know, I, I'd be hard pressed to say this is the guy. But as far as New England goes with the receivers, I think you got to look at a Chris Hogan. I think it's going to be split up between Chris Hogan and Gronk. I think you're going to see Gronk spread out wide. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be in tight. We're going to see more Gronk. And then when we're done with that, we're going to see even more Gronk. You know, with this situation at receiver for New England, they're going to rely on their most reliable guy. And that's Gronk until he gets hurt. So ride that hot hand with Gronk. If you're playing Dan a daily fantasy make sure you include him and you know i i don't know how you can not include him and on the other side of the ball we're struggling to find the guy at tight end for houston you know it very well could be a, a name that's familiar in the florida parts here in a jordan atkins and he is he kind of lit things up a little bit but they kind of kept him under the un, under the wraps in Houston, so look for him to emerge as the guy at tight end. If you if you have some challenges at tight end on your team, if you're not sure about your tight end, you have a guy that you can get rid of. You might want to take a flyer on him. Start watching this guy. He's going to be the tight end of the future in Houston. But I like I like New England in this game for for good reasons. They're just a much better team, and it's in New England. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think there's going to be, you know, in this game, obviously I'm picking New England because they're going to be at home and because it's New England. It's hard to go against them. But on the Houston side of things, Deshaun Watson, if you have you – know, I, I, he's coming back. This is his first game back. So, But I like what he could do. I like the – I mean, Kansas City put up a ton of points to start the season last year in Foxborough against the Patriots. So I don't – 
rule Deshaun Watson out, especially if he's your best option. If you have Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky, or you have Deshaun Watson and Andy Dalton or something like that, I would lean on Deshaun Watson. I don't like the running backs in Houston, so I'm not even going to talk about it. DeAndre Hopkins, I I like him. I I think he's worth putting out there, and that's why it's hard to say no to Deshaun Watson because he makes DeAndre Hopkins' career potentially – resurrect itself the power rank that he had last year according to some was number one for DeAndre above Antonio Brown in certain situations uh Will Fuller the fifth if you need an extra wide receiver if you're going with three or four he's an option to have out there I've never been a big fan of the Belichick era's defensive backs I've never been a huge fan of their secondary so that's an option for you and for the for the receivers on New England Chris Hogan's the only guy that that I would draft, and I did. And so, I mean, I'm looking at him. Julian Edelman has a four-game suspension. Chris Hogan has shown that he can get you fantasy points, but now he's asked to be the guy. He's not under the radar. He's not number three. He's number one. So we'll see how he responds, but I do like him. Rex Burkhead was upgraded to probable in this game. Sony Michelle is questionable for week one, but the Patriots always have everybody on the injury report if they could put everybody on IR and play them all they would do that legally if they could figure it out away but you know the Patriots seem to be liked by Commissioner Roger Goodell so maybe they could do that James White it would be I agree with you Mike probably the best option for you at running back right now Sony Michelle let's see if he plays Tom Brady obviously hard to say no to the guy if you have him on your team if you have him and Russell Wilson or him and Aaron Rodgers then it's a conversation but Tom Brady, not a bad play in this game. Next up in the match, and we're both going with the Patriots. Next up in the matchups here are the Niners at the Vikings. Jimmy Garoppolo has the hold of the offense for the first full season ever. It's the first time he'll go into a season as a starting quarterback outright. And on the other side of it, it's the first season that Kirk Cousins will call Minnesota home. What do you think about this one? Yeah, you know what? I, I like Garoppolo. I think he's got some tremendous upside. I just don't like him in this game. He's going into Minnesota. Now, Minnesota, next to Jacksonville, probably the toughest defense in the league scoring-wise. They led in multiple categories. They're just they're quick to the ball. They're, they can pressure the quarterback. They can defend the deep ball. They can stop the run. I like everything about Minnesota. So I want to be clear, my pick is going to be Minnesota in this game. But I really think that you know, you're going to find the most value in Kirk Cousins. I was able to pick him up late in a lot of drafts. He might still be on the waiver wire in your league. He's the number seven quarterback this week against San Francisco at home. Now, running back-wise, Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's the guy in Minnesota. He's a high-end RB2. I need to see something more before I give him that RB1 classification coming back from that knee. I think he's going to be okay. I just need to see a little more. And then we talked about it earlier. San Fran's going to be a two-headed monster between Brighton and Alfred Morris. I have those two guys ranked as bottom-end running back threes. Again, kind of like the Brayton Howard thing. They're going to cannibalize each other. But team-wise, collectively-wise, committee-wise, they should do okay but again, they're going against Minnesota in Minnesota. It's a tough place to run the ball. You know, you look at the receivers. I really like the one guy, Marquise Goodwin. He's a bottom-end wide receiver, too. But, you know, he's going to have a hard time catching the ball in Minnesota. Minnesota's defense, again, if they can get the ball out quick, you got a chance. But 
it's going to be tough to say that's easier said than done. On the flip side there, you know, I think that Adam Thielen and Stephen D- Stephon Diggs, my my apologies there, top-end wide receiver twos, I think they take away from each other. But I think Thielen's edged out Diggs a little bit, and I think Thielen can actually be considered a bottom-end wide receiver one this week as well. He's on that borderline. You know, those guys are, are, are guys you can depend on, either one of them. And if you were able to get both, God bless you. But, you know, I hate to... You know, I hate to be you during bye week. I'm looking at the the tight ends. My sleeper tight end this year, I've been seek. I've been trying to keep it under wraps. The secret got out a couple times, and some people I was competing against drafted this guy from underneath me, George Kittle. This guy has breakout year written all over him in San Fran. I got him as the number 14 tight end this week. Again, San uh, San Fran's playing in Minnesota, so that changes the rankings a little bit. And, you know, on the flip side, Kyle Rudolph is going to be a guy that you can count on. He's a bottom-end, tight-end one. I look for this game to be more Minnesota, but I look for it to be very entertaining because I think both teams are very good. Yeah, I think both teams are, are going to be good in this one. They both have quarterbacks I'm excited to watch. I like Jimmy G, but like you, I don't know if I necessarily like him in this game in Minnesota on the road. I like Minnesota's defense and special teams, and I think that, you know, they, they could er, – er, er, <laughs> I think they could do some good things in this game. I think Minnesota's defense could challenge Jimmy a little bit, but I do think ultimately Jimmy's going to be a quarterback that you can rely on from week to week this season. Alfred Morris was brought in to be the number one guy, and then Matt Breda. I don't know if I lean on either one of them outside of a flex position if you're going deeper. Not my running back one, not my running back two, maybe my three or four in those flex-type situations. And then as far as wide receiver, Pierre Garçon, he's, I feel like he's going to have a resurgent year, so I'd consider him for this game. But I don't know how much offense Minnesota is going to want to allow in this one. This game could be in the 20s, or it could be less than that for San Fran. So Kirk Cousins, I, I, again, it depends on who you got on your team. I think that Kirk is going to have – this is a put-up-or-shut-up time for Kirk Cousins. There's no excuses because he's on a team with a ton of weapons. Fantasy-wise, that I feel good about this week, Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and considering Kyle Rudolph and potentially the defense and special teams. So Mike and I are both going with the Vikings in this game. We'll take a step aside. Well, before we take a step aside, let's do this, let's do this Florida game. They played each other last season, and ironically, they played each other in the same situation. I don't know how this hand how this happens two years in a row, but the Titans went on the road to face the Dolphins last year, and they'll go on the road to face the Dolphins this year. I thought it had to be home and home, but last year the Titans went on the road to face the Dolphins, and the Dolphins won that game 16-10, to albeit they did it with their quarterback, Jay Cutler, who's not there, running back Jay Ajayi, who's not there, and running back Jarvis Landry, who's not there. So they won by six, and all of their leaders are not on the team anymore. What do you think about this one, Mike? Yeah, I think Miami's in trouble this year. I think they're in trouble almost as bad as the Bills. I'm not feeling them at, at all. And at home, Tanny Hill's the number 26 quarterback on my ranking. But, you know, Marcus Mariota's not doing that much better. He's been meh at best at times. So hopefully things will rebound for them. Hopefully they'll catch a, a resurgence here. Hopefully things have tightened up a bit for Tennessee. I got Marcus Mariota ranked as the number 17 quarterback going into Miami. And then I'm looking at the running back situation. They're going to have to give the ball to Kenyon Drake. 
you know, I, I there was some talk that you know they were going to be able to split some carries there, and and things were going to look different in my. They're not. They they're still going to have a challenge running the ball. Kenny Drake's a bottom end running back too in my book here. And as far as Derrick Henry and and um, Deion Lewis. I think Deion Lewis is going to be the more the third down guy. Derrick Henry, I got ranked as the number 20 running back this week. Deion Lewis, more the PPR guy. I got him as a wide receiver. I'm sorry, running back three on the wide receiver front there. I think that um, Miami is really looking for that guy to step up. He's looking for a guy to step up for Jarvis Landry. That might be Kenny Stills. Devontae Parker is out with an injury here, and it looks like Kenny Stills is going to be forced into the spotlight. But even when Parker's on the field, I think Stills is going to be more the guy. I think Parker would have done something by now. If we were going to see something out of Parker, it would have already happened. Not really excited about him. So Kenny Stills, number 18 wide receiver this week. Now, Corey Davis, that's right, Corey Davis, a name not many people know, number one receiver in Tennessee. He was brought in to be that guy. Didn't really happen last year. Now just by sheer targets and being in that place, right place, right time, he's the number one receiver. He's number 27 on my listings here. He's top end wide receiver three for you. Don't count on too much, but on sheer volume, he's going to get the targets. So I'll take a guy who's getting targets any day of the week because that's opportunity, and I like opportunity. You know, Tennessee has the consummate professional and Delaney Walker at tight end. Miami hoping to catch lightning in a bottle with Mike Gusecki. I got him as the ranked number 21 tight end, whereas Delaney Walker's number six on my tight end list. And again, I like Tennessee to edge out Miami. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. But I, I, I just, I'm down on Miami this year. I think it's going to be a long year for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Miami. There's a reason why the abbreviation for Miami is MIA because that's where their team is most of the time in recent history. Without, and I could go all the way back to Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor and say that they haven't really been relevant since then. So this team has truly been MIA. As far as who I would play in this one. Kenyon Drake, I, I I feel like we're not getting any of those running back ones and twos for me yet in week one. I keep saying flex guys. Well, Kenyon Drake is another one of those flex guys. I like Kenny Stills as one of your receivers because he does get opportunities and he has had players come out and look for him. I, and here's the irony. Luke Falk was wa- put on waivers by Tennessee and was picked up by Miami before going into this game where they will face each other. You can tell Miami has no idea who their quarterback's going to be and is nervous about Ryan Tannehill potentially getting injured again as they have four quarterbacks on their roster with Brock Osweiler, David Fells, and Luke Falk as well on the team. Outside of Kenny Stills and Kenyon Drake as a flex guy, not really feeling it with anybody. I'm not a big Derrick Henry fan. This may be the game to play him, though, because he's playing Miami's defense. And Corey Davis, he's supposed to step it up. He's my wide receiver two or three. He's not my one on your roster because he hasn't proven himself, but he's one hell of an athlete coming out of Western Michigan, and obviously Tennessee liked him enough to draft him fifth overall last year, and that's as simple as it is. Rashard Matthews, he's another guy to consider as a flex at wide receiver because he's playing Miami, and Delaney Walker at the tight end position is another guy to look at because, simply put, he's playing Miami. We'll take a step aside, and and I would venture to say, Mike, we're both picking the Titans in that game, obviously. Yes. So, so far to recap, 
I have the Eagles tonight, and Mike has the Falcons, and then we both have the Ravens, the Saints, the Patriots, the Vikings, and the Titans. We will come back to speak on the rest of the matchups, get you ready for fantasy, make our game predictions, and so much more inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour that is spilled in to some extra time. We're in overtime here. Everybody tell Donovan McNabb the rules. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90 inch monster. Watch your game enjoy time with family friends as well as bringing the kids to the playroom the SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines as well as Robert Drummond Syracuse football alum and Dan Satora's pre-game show two hours before kickoff for every home game private parties available as well for as many as 300 people Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DreisigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 305-748-2524. 
but you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You know that Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora is Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, but you also know that Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora extends out when it comes to spending time with this fine gentleman, Mr. Mike Sofka. We always have a great time on the show and always enjoy speaking together and having a good time together. So I am uh, I'm elated and always appreciative of having him here in the Fantasy Football Power Hour. And this is exactly what we're doing. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, where you're watching the games Thursday, Monday, and Sunday, as well as Saturdays for college football. And you know what? You might as well just go there throughout the week because they're open Monday through Sunday, and they have amazing food, great people, and it's a family-friendly sports bar, which is a very difficult feat to overcome and achieve, yet... Danny and Heather Tome have figured out a way to do so, and I commend them for the family atmosphere at a great sports bar that has the NFL ticket and every single game that you want to watch. So get yourself over there to 3680 Milton Ave in Camillus, New York. And, of course, our trophies, our Lombardi Championship and our toilet, our bronze toilet, both brought to you by the Penn and Trophy Center. The Penn and Trophy Center can help you out here in East Syracuse, right by BJ's Wholesale Club. And if you're out of town and you're listening to the show and you want your trophies done professionally and well, you can go to them on penandtrophy.com and they will ship anywhere in the United States. So don't just restrict yourself to this area. Know that they can help you out in other areas as well. With that being said, we're, we got some more games on the docket Mike and I have Bengals at Colts coming up next. And off the air, we've agreed that this is the toss-up week, which is great for the NFL ratings-wise because you don't know where half the games are going to lean, and they're very hard to choose from. And one of those games is the Bengals at the Colts. What do you think about this one, Mike? Yeah, well, as I said, I like the Bengals. I like the Bengals, but I'm not sure that they can beat the Colts in Indianapolis first game of the season. So I got to go with the home team there. Look, Andrew Luck is going to be back. There's some unanswered questions. I still think he's a bottom end quarterback one in this game at home opening the season. But you know what? We could see anything. I I don't know. We, We really haven't seen much of Andrew Luck. So it's going to be very interesting. Not really a fan of the Red Rocket, although he is a high-end QB, two in my book this week, Andy Dalton, going into Indianapolis. So you might get some value there, especially in a daily situation. 
running backs where it's at. Joe Mixon seems to be a beast. He's a number eight running back. I think he's going to unleash this year. I think he's going to be injury-free and not have Jeremy Hill there. You know, he's got Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard, but Giovanni Bernard's more the third down guy. He's more the path-catching guy where Joe Mixon could be the every down guy. He could be that heavy tool, and I think they're going to use a lot of Joe Mixon this year. You know, when you go to the other side of the ball, Marlon Mack is still a question mark, and he's injured as well. I think this is the time we're going to see a guy that went undrafted in a lot of leagues. He may be on your waiver wire in your league. So if you've done your homework and you got that guy where you're saying this is the bottom guy, and if something falls out, I'm going to drop this guy and pick up that next rising star. Here it is. Drum roll, Jordan Wilkins. You're going to see Jordan Wilkins on the field. A lot of people have been saying, oh, it's going to be Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines may be the pass-catching guy. He's going to have a hard time because he can't pass block very well. Jordan Wilkins seems to be the every-down back. Now, I've tempered the expectation for him. He's a bottom-end wide, a bottom end running back three this week, but I think you're going to see the emergence of Jordan Wilkins this week. You know, on the other side, on the, on the wide receiver front, you know, you got to go with A.J. Green, consummate professional, constantly a top five wide receiver. You know, I, I, I like A.J. Green. I like him a lot. And T.Y. Hilton, he's a bottom end wide receiver one this week against Cincinnati at home. If Andrew Luck is going to have any success, it's going to come through the hands of T.Y. Hilton. And you know what? T.Y. Hilton's capable of getting it done. I like him as a bottom end wide receiver one this week. And going into this week as far as tight end, Maybe we'll see a resurgence of Tyler Eifert. Again, me being the glass half full guy, I'll roll the dice with Eifert. He's the number eight tight end on my team this week. And the other side of the ball, I'd have to go with Eric Ebron. You know, I know him and Jack Doyle are going to split some things, but Eric Ebron always seems to be at the right place at the right time, except he's usually injured. We're going to get something from Eric Ebron. It's going to be this week. I like Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. They kind of cannibalize each other, but they're both tight end twos this week. Again, I like Indianapolis in this game, a coin flip game. I think they're going to edge it out because they're at home. Yeah, I have them winning this game because they're at home as well. I'm not going dis- <laughs> to disagree with you about about that one. I do think it's going to be close. I'm not an Andy Dalton fan in fantasy football by any stretch of the imagination. If you want to try out A.J. Green or look at John Ross, they're low-end wide receiver twos for me this week. Uh, Well, I would say high-end wide receiver two for Green, low-end wide receiver two for Ross. You know, the running backs, I don't like them in Cincinnati. I don't like the situation. i got to see more from Mixon and see somebody divide. At home, Andrew Luck, I, I you said a low-end quarterback one. I'll stick with you on that, Mike. I'm not sold on Andrew Luck because he's often injured. Now, he has almost double amount of touchdowns as he does interceptions in his career in the NFL, 132 touchdowns to 68 interceptions. But he's only played in 22 of 48 games in three regular seasons combined in the last three years. So let's see how he does. But he's playing Cincinnati, so not a bad opportunity for him to come back but we'll see where he's at right now Uh, as far as Jordan Wilkins I'm cautiously optimistic about him as well as Naheem Hines Hines would be a low-end flex player Jordan Wilkins I'm not ashamed to say to put him out there this week not as your number one but you know as one of your backups out there on the field I would like to see him and T.Y. Hilton you know it's hard to keep him on your bench as well because usually when you do there's some shock and awe coming from him next and we're both going to pick the 
home team, the Colts, in this game. Steelers at the Browns. Sands Le'Veon Bell for now and for potentially the foreseeable future. What do you got for this one? Yeah, you know, the Steelers usually struggle when they open the season against the Browns, but not this time, even without Bell. You know, Cleveland's got a lot to show, and I think they're going to be a good team. We saw them on hard knocks. We saw what they did in the draft. We saw how they've been rebuilding that team, and they've done a fantastic job. I just don't think they're ready to beat the Steelers and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger yet. Again, regardless of the running back. Now, the running back's the thing that's on everybody's mind, but Ben Roethlisberger is where it really starts. He's a number nine quarterback for me this week. And on the flip side, I wish I could say something better, but Tarod Taylor, and it's Tarod, not Tyrod. We've been saying it wrong all these years. It's Tarod. Tarod Taylor is going to be a top-end quarterback, too, at number 14 on my rankings. Even though he's going up against the Pittsburgh defense, he is at the home of the Brownies, and they're going to get raucous there in Cleveland. You know, I, I like wide receiver Antonio Brown, but if Pittsburgh's going to do anything in this game, it's going to be through James Conner. James Conner, the guy we talked about, the guy we said that, you know, pick up late in the drafts, this is the guy that's going to be on the field for Bell. But he's not going to get Bell-like numbers, so don't even think that. If he's available on your waiver wire this late, by all means, pick him up. He's probably already gone, though. The secret's out. James Conner should have a pretty good game, number 17 running back on my rankings. And, you know, when I flip the coin over and I go on the other side of the ball, well, who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? Who's going to be the running back? Is it going to be Hyde? Is it going to be Chubb? I think it's going to be Hyde. I think he's had the better preseason. I think he still has what it takes. And I think Chubb's got some learning to do as far as pass blocking schemes and the playbook. So I think Hyde's going to be the guy. I got him number 23, bottom end, running back two this week. And here's the piece, the response, Antonio Brown, the number one wide receiver in the game. You know, you could say he and DeAndre Hopkins are a one and one A to each other, and Antonio Brown's the guy. You know, Antonio Brown for a while in my book was the top fantasy football player because of his value exceeds everyone else's by such a far margin. Now some of the running backs are starting to catch up, but Antonio Brown's still a number one receiver. You know you have to trot him out there. I don't have to tell you that. And for the Browns, I wish I had somebody better. You know who I have that's better? Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's on the other team. He's on Pittsburgh. He's a bottom-end wide receiver one. So there's two wide receiver ones in Pittsburgh, and I'm struggling to find one in Cleveland. I think if somebody's going to emerge in Cleveland early in the year, it's going to be Jarvis Landry, and at best I have him number 33 this week, a bottom-end wide receiver three. And, you know, I wish I could say something really positive about the tight ends here. I wish I could say something great about Njoku or Vance McDonald. I think Njoku's a borderline tight end one, tight end two. And it looks like Vance McDonald's going to be the number 20 tight end on my list this week. And, again, I think the Steelers will struggle more than people think going into Cleveland. But I think this game's all Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, I think even without Le'Veon Bell, I got Pittsburgh in this game. It's hard to go against them in this matchup, even though they are going to be playing on the road without one of the top running backs in the country. Uh, James Conner, I like it. I like what's going on with him right now, and I like what he has. Jalen Samuels might do some fun things as well. I would watch him and just kind of pay attention because he's probably most likely out there as a free agent right now. But I like James Conner. 
And this is, you know, this is no wasted draft pick. This was no, let's put him on the team for, you know, sentimental value. He's a, he's a player and he's a gamer as well. So I like James Conner in the game. I like Big Ben in the game. I like Juju in the game and I like Antonio in the game. And then on Cleveland's side of things, they got a bunch of running backs, but they got rid of Matt Days. So they don't have four anymore. They have three. So on their side, I would look to Jarvis Landry as a wide receiver too. Uh, with Josh Gordon, if he's going to play, which as of right now, what I'm looking at, he should be good to go. I would look at him as well as a wide receiver too. And then Tyrod, like you said, that we've been calling him Tyrod forever, and he just corrected everybody and said it's Tyrod. Well, no matter what it is, I'm not taking the quarterbacks in this matchup. And Carlos Hyde, I would consider in this game. Duke Johnson Jr. is a flex guy by the definition, because he catches passes. I think he's more of the catching back on this team. And Carlos Hyde, I would consider. This is one of those teams and where I want to see how everybody performs in the sense of how, how much are they going to use Hyde? Are they going to use Chubb? How much will they use Duke Johnson? Will he be running the ball or just catching? How's Jarvis Landry going to play in here with Josh Gordon? Antonio Callaway got himself in a lot of trouble in Florida. What's he going to be like on this team? So there's a lot of question marks on this but uh, David Njoku, also, if you get to play two tight ends, he would be a tight end, too, for me this week. But uh, Hyde, Landry, Gordon, not bad plays. And then Pittsburgh, it's the usual suspects, except for instead of Le'Veon Bell, it's James Conner. And Juju Smith-Schuster, baby. I feel good about him this year. I'm excited. Chiefs at the Chargers. What do you have for this one? Yeah, I like the Chargers in this game, whether it's at home or in Kansas City. It is in L.A., and I like the Chargers. I think they always have a tough game with each other, but I think the KC defense is suspect. I think the Chargers are going to prove some people wrong. They're going to come out to a faster start. Past couple years, they've had slow starts, and it's cost them playoff position in the end of the year. I think the Chargers are primed and ready for a big run here. I think they're going to run right through that AFC West. I like Phillip Rivers as the number six quarterback this week. You know, I, I, I like Phillip Rivers to have consistency. I think he's a solid QB1 all year. You know, there's guys that are better than him, but all year over time, he's going to be a QB1, not a doubt in my mind. And then if you flip the script, Patrick Mahomes, young guy, can stretch the field, cannon of an arm, and he's got some talent around him. So even though this is not a, you know, this is really the young guy, the second-year player, even though this is really his first big attempt at leading the team, I still think he can do it, and he's a he's a quarterback ranked number 15 on my list this week. So you can find better guys. You can find worse guys. You, can, you know, he's kind of in the middle there. You know, and, and then running back. Running back is where the biggest difference is, I think, here for most people. You know, you look at Kareem Hunt, you look at Melvin Gordon. Usually if you have one of these two guys on your team, you're going to do well. I have them both ranked six and seven, Gordon and Hunt, respectfully, on my running back list this week. But look out for a guy who was supposed to be the starter going into last year in a Spencer Ware. He's back. He's going to get some touches as well. So look out for that guy. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about the wide receivers in L.A. for the Chargers. People thought it was going to be Tyrell Williams. Then Mike Williams emerged. Now it's back and forth. Look for a Mike Williams or a Tyrell Williams to be a wide receiver three for you this week. I don't really believe in either one of those guys so much over the other. But how can you not talk about Keenan Allen? Constant top five, top ten receiver. He's definitely a wide receiver one. And on the other side of the ball, 
Well, it's all Travis Kelsey, in my opinion here. I mean, who are they throwing the ball to? It's Demarcus Robinson. I mean, well, they're going to throw the ball to Tyreek Hill because he's the fastest guy out there. But even Tyreek Hill can only do so much. He's a bottom-end wide receiver one. And like I said before, Travis Kelsey's the guy. And the Chargers brought back the old man. Antonio Gates is back in the fold, retired, convinced to walk away from the game, now convinced to come back now that there's a tremendous need. Don't get excited. You're not going to see the Gates of old. You're going to see him come in on short yardage plays. You're going to see him in the red zone. You're going to see him in the end zone because that's what he does. He's the number 27 tight end on my rankings this week. And, again, I like the Chargers. I think they're going to get off to a good start this year. Yeah, you know, I, I, in this game, I'm going to go with the Chiefs on the other side of things here. I like the Chiefs. I think that there's a lot of weapons. You know, this is obviously contingent on Pat Mahomes and how he's going to respond to being in this position now that he is the starting quarterback. They started off the season last year with Alex Smith taking down the Patriots in Foxborough and now they're at the Chargers you know I, I do think the Chargers have some good things I am happy that they brought back Antonio Gates for I believe his 16th season which is pretty insane but I'm going to take Kansas City in the game as far as who I would play out there for your fantasy obviously Kareem Hunt as well as Tyreek Hill I would look at Sammy Watkins as a wide receiver two or three and Travis Kelsey I would put out there as well. Spencer Ware, I'm going to watch. I want to see how often they utilize him. I, I, I'm not going to be against him being a flex player for you because I don't really trust in the Chargers defense, but Kareem Hunt is obviously the guy that I'm looking to to uh, do big things as a sophomore. Hopefully he can continue that. But Spencer Ware, not a bad backup and should be somebody, if you have him, to at least put him out there as a flex for this week. As far as the other side of things, Phillip Rivers, he gets a lot of yardage. So if you get points for yardage, you know, in my league, every 10 yards that a quarterback passes, you get a point. So if he passes for 100 yards, you get 10 points. And Phillip Rivers could get you 20 points just off of that stuff. So pass it for a couple hundred yards. So Phillip Rivers, not a bad bet in this game. Melvin Gordon, obviously I like him. And Keenan Allen is somebody that I would throw out there. The rest of the wide receivers kind of are a roll of the dice, so I don't know exactly what that's going to shake out to be and look like because Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin, you know, no, it was every other week somebody was something. So I would look more to Keenan Allen. And then Antonio Gates, not a bad guy if you have two tight ends. I don't know if he's your dominant number one. I don't think he is. Travis Kelsey is my favorite tight end in the country above Rob Gronkowski. But Antonio Gates, good to see him back. Seahawks at the Broncos, Mike. What do you have for this? Yeah, this is a game where you're in some spots where just real hard-pressed to find guys that are fantasy-worthy or have fantasy value. You would think on big-name you know, teams like this, it'd be different. I have this as a close game. I'm going to give the edge to the Broncos because they're at home. You know, Case Keenum had the big contract game in, but he's still a bottom-end quarterback, too, in my opinion, especially this week against Seattle. Now, I know people are saying, oh, Seattle, they lost everybody. Seattle, they don't have the players. They still have some of the better players. They're a good team up and down. They just were very top-heavy for a long time, and it's finally come time to pay the piper. 
It's like, you know, if you keep, if you, you know, in a car business, if you keep buying a car and rolling negative equity into the next car and rolling it into the next car, there's going to come a point where you're going to owe $50,000 on a $25,000 car. It's not going to be. And that's where Seattle is. They're unloading these contracts. These players have gotten long in the tooth. You know, they need to let go of these players, and they have slowly but surely through attrition. They've been getting these guys out of there and getting new guys in. And I think that you're going to see some talented players on Seattle that you've never heard of before, and I'll show you that in just a minute here. Russell Wilson, number 10 quarterback on my ranking this week. Outstanding if you have Russell Wilson. He always proves himself to be a solid quarterback one all year. And on the running back side, you're going to see two guys rank close together here, but their careers are going in different directions. Chris Carson is a guy that through injury – you know, kind of had to take a step aside last year. But before the injury, he looked like the best thing they had running the ball. They were churning through some running backs. And when your quarterback is your leading rusher, you got problems. Well, it turned out that Chris Carson, per game he was playing, was the guy. And I still believe in the guy. They brought in Rashad Penny, but now he's got an injured hand and he hasn't picked up the pass blocking that well. So Rashad Penny is going to see some action, but he's not going to see anywhere near the action that Chris Carson is. And on the other side of the ball, well, you got the guy that I think could be rookie of the year, and Royce Freeman. They put all their they they put their faith in him, and rightfully so. He's had an outstanding camp. He's had an outstanding preseason, and I like Royce Freeman a lot. If you don't have him on your team, and you got the opportunity to trade for him. Go get him because he's the guy that you can count on to carry the load for your team this year. He's going to have nothing but more upside and higher rankings the rest of the year. Wide receiver-wise, you know, I feel bad for Seattle. When when your number one target, the number one guy you have on your ranking, is not even a wide receiver three on my rankings, you got a problem. And I'm talking about Tyler Lockett, the number 39 wide receiver and on the flip point, you got the opposite problem. You got two guys that are capable of being number ones. Now this week, they're both bottom end twos, top end threes, and I'm talking about Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And you know, if I asked you real quick, name me the tight end on either team, you'd be hard pressed to do that. These are the guys I'm talking about who are going to be household names come the end of the year. Nick Vanette for Seattle. He's a bottom end, tight end two for me, and then Jake Butt. B-U-T-T, Jake Butt, bottom end, tight end three for me for Denver. And I think just through targets and through, they're the only guy on the team. Basically, they're the guy. You know, they're not the guy as far as fantasy goes, but they're the guy on that team. So they're going to get the looks. And I'm talking about the net and butt. And again, I like the Broncos in this game at home. Yeah, you know, this is going to be, to me, <laughs> to me, this game is, 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 you know, Seahawks and Broncos. I think that this could go either way. I'm going with the Broncos at home as well. I'm excited to see Case Keenum and what Case Keenum can do on this team because I think that Case Keenum got a raw deal. He helped bring the team all the way to the game before the Super Bowl, and then he got sent packing. So they didn't appreciate him then. They didn't seem to appreciate him at the end of it all, and they let him go. And he went to Denver, and now he's the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. So I like it. Seattle's defense isn't what it used to be. It doesn't have the usual suspects on there. Some of them are the same. Some of them are not. So, you know, in this in this matchup, I would like to put Royce Freeman out there to see what he could do. I'm staying away from Devontae Booker. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, hard to keep those guys off your list, so you got to put them out there. Cortland Sutton, watch this. Some people drafted him, some people did not. He could be out there on your free agent 
pool right now, just sitting in the pool, wading in the water. He's a guy that you have to look to. He has great hands. I covered him at SMU. You don't want to forget about that name, Cortland Sutton. On the other side, Russell Wilson, I like. Chris Carson, I like. And the potential, you know, Doug Baldwin's not a bad one to throw out there as well. Rashad Penny, questionable for week one with a finger injury, and I'm just not... I, I, I want to see what he could do. If Chris Carson's healthy, that's the guy I'm looking to. And CJ Procise, God bless his heart. This man has been fumbling the ball, fumbling the opportunities. He was placed on injured reserve already this season. So my God bless and a speedy recovery to him. I feel terrible about everything that's happened in his career. Cowboys at the Panthers. What do you have for this one? Yeah, Cowboys at the Panthers. I got to go in a close game again. I got to go with the home team. I'm going to go with Carolina. Look, Carolina's got a guy who likes a lot of him. Cam is the me me guy. He'll call his own number. So if you got Cam, especially in a even if it's in a four point touchdown league, because he's going to run some touchdowns as well. So I got Cam as a number four quarterback this week. Whereas on the other side, well, Dak Prescott, he's not going to be as highly ranked this week going in there. I think he's a bottom-end quarterback, too. Now, the running game is where all the dollars are on both these teams. You can't go wrong with with you know what they have in place in a McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, he's run the ball more so between the tackles. He's no longer that scat guy. You just got to line up in the slot or throw him the ball in the flat. He can run the ball, and they brought in C.J. Anderson to make sure that you know, they keep running the ball up the gut. Well, McCaffrey's going to get most of the carries. Anderson's not even worth a spot on your roster right now. If you're in a super deep league, you know, you maybe, or a touchdown-only league, maybe he's going to get some goal line touches. He's number 50 on my rank of, of running backs this week. And then looking at the receivers, there's a receiver I'm really excited about on the field in this game. Blew the charts off the exposed, adjusted explosive index that I use just narrowly missing the Hall of Fame type numbers he would need on that index. And again, to find more information about that, you can hit me up on my website. It's not my stat, but it's a stat I use, the Adjusted Explosive Index. DJ Moore, although he's number 51 on my rankings this week, I look for him to have a lot of upside for you. If he's still available and you have a spot, you know, don't don't cut somebody's you know, that you're counting on, but this is a guy who's a dark horse guy. You know, anybody who knows fantasy football and been studying can see this guy coming a mile away. He's a great receiver. He might be the number one receiver in Carolina by the end of the year, you know, but their number one target in Carolina has been Greg Olson, number five tight end on my rankings right now. And Dallas, they're having a hard time at receiver. They're having a hard time at tight end. You know, if you're Dallas and you're looking for a receiver, you're throwing a ball to Alan Hearns, but that's strictly because of math. He's number 53 on my roster, and he's supposed to be the number one option there in Dallas. You know, you can look further on down for a Michael Gallup who had outstanding camp and and preseason. I like Michael Gallup. It's just I don't like him as a starter at all right now until he shows me something in a real game. And like I said, Dallas struggling not only in the receiver – but in the tight end department as well. I don't know. Can you name me the tight end for, for Dallas right now? I don't think anybody can. I thought they thought it was going to be Gaithers. I, you know, it could be Blake Jarwin. You know, it could be a couple guys. So I would stay away from that whole situation at tight end till it stabilizes itself. And, you know, I still like Carolina at home over Dallas. Yeah, I like Carolina at home over Dallas as well in this matchup. I just... 
you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they now I like Alan Hurts, and I think that Alan Hurts has a lot to offer. I've obviously spent the last couple of years covering him in Jacksonville. I think that there's a lot to be said about what Alan Hurts can do, and I'm excited about him getting an opportunity to get out there and do his thing. So with that being said, you know, they, they got rid of a number one, and Hearns has never been a true number one. Nobody else has been a true number one on the team. And then at their tight end position, it, it is. It's who's going to be the guy, who, where is the plan. You know, you, you would imagine that potentially they wanted Dallas Goder and just didn't get to him quick enough because Philadelphia went and traded up to get him before the Cowboys could take him and put him on the roster and use it against Philadelphia for the next decade. So Jeff Swaim and Blake Jarwin are there. Dalton Schultz is there as well. And Rico Gathers, uh, none of the tight ends excite my fantasy brain for this upcoming week. Uh, Alan Hearns in this Carolina game, not a, not a bad option as a flex or a low-end wide receiver too. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously worth the play. Dak Prescott, not sold on it, not a big fan as far as going into week three. Cam Newton calls Cam Newton's number. He loves Cam Newton. Mike and I have both said this, not knowing that the other person had said it. We both said the exact same thing. Cam Newton likes himself some Cam Newton. And when push comes to shove, Cam calls his own number. So Cam Newton's not a bad play in this game because I don't trust Dallas's defense. Christian McCaffrey, I like him too. And I don't care where Devin Funches is on the depth chart. DJ Moore, in my opinion, is going to evolve to be the best option for them. I would like to see what he could do this week. So he is worth the play for me. And Funches, I pray and I hope the best for him. I won't draft him anymore because he's let me down too many times. But that's not to say that I don't always hope that these guys do well, which I do. Redskins at the Cardinal, and I'm picking the Panthers. Redskins at the Cardinals, what do you have for this? Yeah, you know, I, I like Arizona in this game. Again, in a narrow game, I think it's another one of those coin flip type games. I like Washington's defense, I think, has improved. But the Arizona defense, they, you know, they've been up there in the top categories in just about everything defense-related whether it be sacks, pressure on a quarterback, they got some of the best cover corners, you know, and, and they have a decent team. They got a decent guy at the helm there in Sam Bradford. He's a he's a game manager. He's a guy that can do something. Until he gets hurt in three weeks, this guy never makes the season. So I think we're gonna see another quarterback there in Arizona before too long in the Josh Rosen. It's just gonna be a matter of time. But for right now it's Sam Bradford's team and he's got only got a couple of the best players out there, and one of them is David Johnson. David Johnson, you know, you can argue before the injury last year, he was the number one guy in fantasy. And, you know, I still got to see a little something, but I'm confident he's up there. He's up there with the girly. He's up there with Zeke and Le'Veon Bell when he gets back in the fold. So I think if you have David Johnson, you already know all this. He's a dynamic player. He can catch the ball, PPR standard. He's definitely a guy you want on your team. Now, on the other side of the ball there, Washington, what they do, they ran out and got him some Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a mid-level quarterback, two number 18 on my rankings this year. And what is Washington doing to run the ball? They ran out and got old man Adrian Peterson because it looked like they were going to split some time between some other injured players, Samaj Perrine, fat Rob Kelly, who slimmed down. Now he's a medium Rob Kelly, I guess, the medium, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> but the, the bottom line is mired in a committee situation, so I'm staying away from the running back situation in Washington. Wide receiver-wise, 
you know, I really like what they have in Arizona in Larry Fitzgerald, but he's getting long in it, dude. He's an old man as well. There's going to be some fresh and upcoming talent, a Christian Kirk coming out. You're going to see some of him, but again, temper your expectations. He's a rookie, and that offense still gets passed through Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. And you know what? On the flip side of the ball, I'm struggling to find something really valuable for Washington. Maybe a Jamison Crowder as a bottom-end wide receiver three. And tight end, if you're going to play Jordan Reed, this is when you play him, beginning of the season, before he gets hurt. This is a guy who can't stay off IR, can't stop getting injured. He plays with a reckless abandon, only comparable to Rob Gronkowski, and he puts his body out there. You know, if I'm his coach, I may tell him to scale that back a bit, but how can you do that? This guy's an athlete. He's, I've seen him score six touchdowns in the game. This guy plays the game all out, full throttle. That's what he does, and unfortunately in the NFL, that's when you're going to get hurt, and that, that is what it is. He's a number seven tight end on my rankings this week. And, you know, on the Arizona side, I don't know who they have. Ricky Seals-Jones, he's a bottom-end tight end, too, for me. So I like Arizona in this game. I think they're going to narrowly win against the Redskins. So get you some Arizona Cardinals this weekend. I don't like – I mean, this. They, well, this used to be an old NFC East game, for those of you that remember that. The, well, the old the old divisions, the way they used when there was three divisions – they're that the central, I believe, maybe it was what that, that's the one that it was. But they were all together, and it was the Arizona Cardinals with the Skins and the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Giants. So this is a nice little playback to those times and and those special moments. Redskins, I'm going with the Redskins on the road in this game. Arizona, Sam Bradford. Well, like you said, this is the time you play Jordan Reed. This is the time that people play Jordan Sam Bradford because he's healthy. But I'm not a big fan of him in this game. Chase Edmonds, I'm looking to him right now. I want to see if he gets some touches. He was drafted in the fourth fourth round out of Fordham, 2018 draft pick. I picked up Chase Edmonds in the 17th round of one of our recent drafts. And I'm going to be watching you, Chase. David Johnson, let's hope for the best, brother, and that you're back and good and good to go. He killed my season last season, hurt my heart, and I hope for everything that he's good to go this season doing his thing. Fitzgerald, I'm not against Fitz in this one. He's a he's a he's like a mid-range wide receiver too, low-end wide receiver too for me. Watch Christian Kirk, watch Chase Edmonds, these two rookies. See how they perform and if they let him go out there at all. But I like Fitz and I like David Johnson. The other guys outside of Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald as wide receivers are Chad Williams and Trent Sherfield and JJ Nelson. Nelson people know Chad Williams out of Grambling State and Sherfield out of Vanderbilt, who was an undrafted free agent. Chad Williams was drafted in the third round out of Grambling State. I just I look at this and I say to myself, Christian Kirk has to emerge as the number one or at least the number two is the way things look right now. So just pay attention to him because he's left out there, I'm sure, from other people. And then Jermaine Gresham and Ricky Seals-Jones and all that good stuff, not a big fan of the tight ends in Arizona. So it's more of Fitz, low ends, and then David Johnson, obviously, is one of your starters. And then for the one of your running back one, I would say, on your team, the Skins, Alex Smith, meh. Let's, let's watch and see what happens. Adrian Peterson's been upgraded to the top guy. Chris Thompson's too. I like Chris Thompson as a flex player. He's a home run hitter. Adrian Peterson, you can put him out there if you feel like it, but Arizona doesn't have a bad defense. I'd probably leave him off this week. And Josh Doxson, who came in hurt 
as an NFL player out of TCU and didn't really do much of anything last year. He's the number one guy there, then Jamison Crowder, then Paul Richardson. Trey Quinn made the roster like I knew that he would. He's one hell of an athlete. He was Mr. Irrelevant, but probably the best Mr. Irrelevant maybe ever when you look back at the grand scheme of things. So we'll see how he does in this. I think he'll work his way into the offense. But Doxon is a wide receiver, two to me, mid to low end, and I'm not sold on Paul Richardson. So not too much in these that I feel good about in these outside of David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Chris Thompson, and maybe a, a dark horse in Christian Kirk. I want to get to that before we get to Sunday Night Football. Got to get to that Jaguars game. The Jaguars at the Giants, Mike. What do you have for this? Jags are going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball, and when they're done, they're going to run the ball some well. They're going to play some outstanding defense, taking the Jags in this game, of course, you know, on the road, in the Meadowlands, or I don't even know if they call it the Meadowlands anymore. It's up there. MetLife, I think, is what they call it. But, you know, the Jags aren't a, a flashy play in this one for me by any means at quarterback. Neither quarterback is going to overwhelm us. I think Eli may have the better end because he's got the better talent around him, especially at receiver. So, I, you know, again, either one of those guys could be a low-end you know, quarterback to either Bortles or Manning. And then looking at Leonard Fournette, how can you not like Leonard Fournette? And how can you not like Saquon Barkley? Both of these guys are running back ones. Fournette's a little higher ranked at five. I got Barkley at 11 in standard scoring. I think Barkley's going to inch up there some more. I think he's going to catch quite a few passes. There's talk that he might catch 80 passes this year, which is a lot for a running back. You know, that's more than he's done in college, but there's more of the year. There's 16 games in the NFL, so it's going to be interesting how they use him because, you know, sometimes those rookies hit that wall in week 12, 13, and we've seen it happen before, but I think Saquon Barkley is a freak-type athlete. I think he's more comparable to an Adrian Peterson. It's a generational talent, I think, but uh, we'll see what happens here against the ball. Jacksonville defense and you know what at, at receiver it's going to be that interesting matchup like we said before with Odell Beckham Jr. versus Jalen Ramsey I still think Odell Beckham Jr. is worthy of a wide receiver one designation this week he's just not one of the top ones he's number eight on my ranking and Jacksonville has a hard time getting that same type player I mean they may maybe it's a Keelan Cole I mean he's supposed to be thrust in in there you know Jacksonville's looking for those guys to step up at receiver so you know, if you if you have a D.D. Westbrook, you know, just be patient with these guys. It's going to take time, you know. But in the most part, Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, they're all the same guys. They're bottom end, but they got some upside. Moncrief having a little more experience. Maybe he can bring along this young talent that Jacksonville has at wide receiver. I know it's not going to do you any good this week. It is what it is, though. And at tight end, Evan Ingram outside the concussion protocol now number nine tight end on my rankings this week and of course jacksonville has austin severian jenkins but he might be a late minute scratch watch out for that jacksonville struggling at the tight end position right now as well again jacksonville in a narrow game in a narrow victory in new york against the giants yeah, you know, I got Jacksonville in this game. I think that this game could be played 28-23, something like that is what I would be looking to. We're going to start with the Jaguars on the road, as I always start with the road team. So to start off with the Jaguars, I like Leonard Fournette in this game, obviously, as a one. And then the wide receivers, it's wide open in the air. Keelan Cole, Dante Moncrief, DJ Chark, 
D.D. Westbrook, Jadon Mickens, Rashad Green. Mickens and Green probably are going to be your return people. But D.D. Westbrook, Chark, uh, Moncrief, and Cole are all going to be out there. If you're going to pick anybody as a backup wide receiver, a wide receiver three or four, I would look to, T- to Keelan Cole or D.D. Westbrook in this game if you're going to pick either or. I'm not a big fan of the Giants' secondary, so I do think that Blake Bortles could be a quarterback too for you this week. I like Leonard Fournette, and I like the defense of Jacksonville to go out there for you. And if you got their defense and you only drafted one defense, which is all you have to do in our league, then you're playing this one by default, and it's not a bad one to play. For the Giants, not a huge fan of Eli Manning in this game because of the defense he's playing up against and just how he's played in general in recent history. So Saquon Barkley, obviously, and Odell Beckham Jr., I would put them both out there. And then Evan Engram looks like he's okay right now, but he's playing the Jaguars. So you could look to any one of those three guys, but I think Evan Engram is your backup tight end this week. He's your tight end too. I think Odell Beckham is is a mid-range one because he's playing Jacksonville or low-end one. And Saquon Barkley, when in doubt, run the ball, and they finally have somebody to do it. So I would look to that game. Let's take our final step aside of the show, and when we come back in just a moment, We'll get you all set and ready to go with the final piece of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hours today as we've extended out for you. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's, it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. Unica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family. 
their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast. Inside a Wake Up Call, Fantasy Football Power Hour is now the Power Hours as we have stretched into adding another hour onto today's show. We're going all the way up to noon and we're very happy to be here with you. We thank you so much for tuning in and we thank the Wildcat Sports Pub as well as the Penn and Trophy Center for proudly bringing you the Fantasy Football Power Hour, or in this case, Hours, with myself of WakeUpCallDT.com, Dan Tatora, and of course, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, giving you, advi- your, you your advice of getting you ready, talking about injuries, as well as our predictions for each game on which team will win, and our thoughts on the fantasy value. So, we are giving you all different layers, so much information for every single game, every single week. So, as far as I'm concerned, There's only one place you need to be going. Bears at the Packers, Sunday night football. Let's get back into it, Mike. What do you got for this? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this game, although I think it's going to be all Packers at home in Green Bay. It's hard to go up against Aaron Rodgers at home. Aaron Rodgers, the number one quarterback in fantasy for a few years, the number one quarterback this week as far as my rankings go as well. Mitch Trubisky, well, not so much, especially on the road in Green Bay. I got him as a top-end QB3, but it's not all his fault. It's just the situation, young quarterback going into Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is healthy. That's trouble. Now, running the ball is where the Bears are going to look a little better than Green Bay with Jordan Howard coming in at number 13, high-end running back two on my rankings. You know, and if you look at the other side of the ball, who, who's running the ball for Green Bay? Is it Ty Montgomery? I know it's on Aaron Jones with the two-game suspension. It's Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, number 21 on my rankings, near bottom end, running back two for you. And then this is where you're going to find most of the money is where the wide receivers come in. You know, I'm looking at my wide receiver rankings, and Allen Robinson is a 21 against that Green Bay defense. I'm looking further down. I'm looking further down. Randall Cobb is a number 40 on my rankings. Oh, there he is. There he is. Devontae Adams is where all the value is in this game. Number six ranking on my on my ranks this week. And that's, that's not considering PPR, so he might go up a tick. He's the number one guy. He's the guy they're looking to throw the ball to in Green Bay. You may see some Geronimo Allison, but, again, most of it's going to be Devontae Adams. And if you're on the other side of the ball, Allen Robinson. And at the tight end position, I like Jimmy Graham. He looked excellent in the preseason connecting with the quarterbacks there. I, I can't wait to see red zone looks. I can't wait to see Jimmy Graham going up against the ball, going up and getting the ball in the air. Definitely a mismatch in the red zone for just about every team. Jimmy Graham, 
And then on the other side of the ball, what did Chicago do? Well, they went out and got some Trey Burton. Trey Burton, number 11 tight end. Bottom end tight end one. I think they're going to throw a heavy dose of stuff at Trey Burton and try to use his athleticism and mismatches they can create in the field with Trey Burton. I like Green Bay in the game, but I think you can score some fantasy points on both sides of the ball here. Yeah, you know, I think that there's fantasy value on both sides here. Chicago's done a lot to try and build up their offense. Obviously, you got to play Aaron Rodgers in the game. I like Jamal Williams as a running back, too. Devontae Adams as a wide receiver, one. Randall Cobb as a wide receiver, two. Jimmy Graham as a tight end, one in this game. I don't mind putting him out there for that. There's a lot. I like the resurgence of Jimmy Graham. He had he made his hay when he had Drew Brees, and then he went over and had Russell Wilson, who didn't utilize him. And here he is with Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the game, arguably, right now. I know Tom Brady wins Super Bowls, but just by sheer points and what he does, Aaron Rodgers is definitely the best fantasy quarterback in the game. As far as Chicago, not a big fan of the quarterback situation right now. I want to see how Mitch does, how he grows, how he blossoms. Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, I would put them as my flexes. They are my running back threes this week. Because they're playing the Green Bay Packers, I'm I'm low-end, let's say low-end two on Jordan Howard, high-end three on Tariq Cohen. And then as far as the receivers go, I they're playing up against Green Bay. So, you know, this, this game is, it's not, and they're going to be in Green Bay. So I'm not leaning on anybody receiver-wise for fantasy points. I hope Allen Robinson's healthy for the rest of his life coming off of that ACL and eventually leaving Jacksonville, and I want to thank him for all the time that he's given to me. But uh, I like Anthony Miller as a dark horse, so definitely watch him and watch what he can do. The crazy thing about the Chicago Bears is that they're carrying six tight ends on their team. Two of them are on IR. And then they have four other tight ends, which is absolutely positively insane that they have that many tight ends. But Trey Burton is the guy that's out there right now. I would look at Trey Burton as a tight end, too, this week. And, you know, when in doubt, throw to your tight end for Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I think the best options are Trey Burton and Jordan Howard from the Bears. But to me, it's a whole lot of Packers with Devontae, Randall, Jimmy, Jamal, and, of course, the man they call Aaron Rodgers and Mike and I are both taking the Packers in this game. Jets at the Lions for Monday Night Football doubleheader. What do you have for this one? Yeah, this is a tale of two cities here. This is something different. Although, you know what? Nothing's changed as far as Matt Stafford's concerned. He's still a QB1, mid-level QB1. I like Detroit in this game. I think Detroit's going to win, not only because of the home team, it's just the Jets still aren't very good. They're going to roll Sam Darnold out there, but don't start Sam Darnold. You know, he's, he, he may be looking better. He may have upside. It takes a long time for most quarterbacks to progress in this league. Even Peyton Manning threw a bunch of interceptions. And Peyton Manning, who still, by the way, is 0-4 against the Florida Gators. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> um, you know, you know, Sam Darnold's going to be a great quarterback in a dynasty situation, just not right now. In the running back side, you know, Detroit's had some problems running the ball. They've, it's been a challenge for them. Is it going to be Theo Riddick? Is it going to be Amir Abdullah? No, it's going to be carry on Johnson. They went out and addressed the situation. Now, there's still going to be a committee approach, so temporary expectation. Carry on Johnson right now, I think the best running back on the roster. He's number 43 on my ranking, so I'm not excited to get him out there quite yet. 
but he is going to be the guy I'm confident to emerge as the primary guy, and he will show that upside and climb up the rankings, just not this week, not against that front four of the Jets. I'm looking at wide receiver, and, you know, again, hard-pressed to find a lot of talent here, but I like Marvin Jones. I like Marvin Jones above Golden Tate, even though he's technically the number two. He's probably got the easier cover guy. Marvin Jones, number 17 receiver on my rankings this week. And you know what? I... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Robbie Anderson. Now, Robbie Anderson has some off-the-field issues he needs to worry about still. Things are supposedly cleared up for him. But, you know, Robbie Anderson, number 28 receiver on my rankings this week. And Kenny Galladay, number 37 receiver on my rankings for the Detroit Lions. I don't know who else is going to catch the ball for the Jets, though. That's a that's a problem that they have. You know, and looking at the at the tight ends, Who's the tight end who sticks out for either team? Nobody knows who these guys are. Stay away from the tight ends until they emerge. I'm talking about maybe a Hakeem Vallis for for Detroit. I'm talking about maybe for for the Jets. I, I, I mean, I don't know. My, I, I'm having a hard time. I'm looking at these rosters going, who are they going to roll out there? They're not really going to roll out there. I love this guy. We talked about this guy before. The guy that Levine Toyolo. Used to be a Falcon. Is he going to be the guy for Detroit? I don't know. He couldn't get it done when he was a Falcon. So, you know, there's no value there in a tight end for either team in my book. But I still like the Lions squeaking one out in Detroit. I have to do this, Mike. I I just, I I find that, that this is something that needs to be done today. So before I say anything about the Jets at the Lions, I have to... So I just I had to do that. I had to have my carry on thing, carry on my wayward son, carry on John, and carry on Johnson is not a bad option to uh, to obviously have out there on your roster on your team if you get a chance to. You know, it, you had to draft him more than likely because people were taking chances on carry on Johnson. But as we look at this game, Jets at the Lions, less than five minutes here, so I got to make it quick. Uh, Sam Darnold is going to have growing pains, so don't put him out there. Matty Stafford, he's a low-end quarterback one. for I just don't get sold on Matt Stafford. I like Kerryon Johnson in the game and LeGarrette Blunt in this game. Marvin Jones Jr. as well. And Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, not bad to have a low-end quarterback or wide receiver. Twos for you out there. Could be higher end as we move forward. Robbie Anderson I like from the Jets and nobody else. Final game that we have here is Rams at Raiders for Monday Night Football. What do you got for this? Yeah, you know, the quarterback is where it's at for most teams. And Jared Goff proved himself worthy of the top pick he was a couple years ago. And this is a guy who's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy for years to come for them. And I think if you had Jared Goff, you're going to be happy. He's a bottom-end QB1 for me in this in this game. And on the other side of the ball, until Derek Carr, I, think, I believe in Derek Carr, until they show me something different against that Rams defense, who has some top-notch defensive backs top-notch pass rushers and some top-notch linebackers. I think that the defense is going to gobble up the Raiders in this one. I like the Rams at home, but, you know, looking at these receivers that they have, who do they have? You know, they have Todd Gurley. He's the receiver. He's not only the receiver, but he's the running back. He's the number one running back in fantasy football. I don't need to tell you that. On the other side of the ball, not so much. Marshawn Lynch, 
He's the number 24 running back on my ranking. Looking at the receivers quickly, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Amari Cooper. Can he have the bounce back here? He's a low-end wide receiver, uh, two in my book this week. And the Rams, the Rams have Cooper Cup. He's, again, uh, he, he's not the top of the heap by any means, but he's a guy I can roll out there as a wide receiver three or a flex guy. And the tight ends, tight ends are up in the air for this one as well. Who's the tight end? Don't worry about tight end in this game. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not finding a value on on either team at tight end. I do like the the Rams in this game. I almost said Raiders again. I do like the Rams. <laughs> I think the Rams have it in them to make the Super Bowl run this year. Yeah, I got the Rams getting with a good chance of getting into the playoffs, fighting the Niners for the NFC West division. So I am going with in this game. I like Jared Goff in the game. I like Todd Gurley. I like. Cooper Cup as uh, as a high-end wide receiver, too. Brandon Cooks as a kind of mid-range wide receiver, too, because we haven't seen a lot of great things out of him recently. Derek Carr is a quarterback, too, for me in this matchup. Marshawn Lynch, uh, low-end one as far as running backs go. And then Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson are, are wide receiver twos for me because the Rams bolstered up that defense, and I like the defense. Mike, as always, I appreciate it, and I thank you so much, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, that coming from Mike Sofka, having him on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm picking the Rams. He's picking the Rams. See all the stuff on wakeupcalldt.com and hear from us tomorrow morning on our Friday show. TGIF, baby. We'll see you at 9 a.m. right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt.